1: Okay, rearrangements, last-minute timing. <laughs> Everything's going a little crazy here. So uh, we got to. Looks like, uh, yeah. All right. So, whoop. I, I can't believe I left my air conditioner on. I had to go turn that thing off a bit of because it's too loud. I don't know if you guys can hear it or not, but uh, there's always, every once in a while, there's something I forget to do on the show. And today, crazy because our, our first uh, guest. Uh, canceled, and I had to uh, do a little bit of scrambling here. I've been sort of rearranging all the websites and getting everything organized. Okay. If it's only going to go on for a short time, that's okay. But if it gets bad, I'll just play a commercial, run out, turn off my air conditioner, and come running back again, (laughs) because that's what we do here. All right. Another new thing I'm going to start doing is giving the websites instead of at the end of the show, I think it'd be more... Uh, effective to give them at the beginning. So, I'm going to make a little promo on this so I don't have to keep saying the same thing every day uh, because it's the same information every day but it's good for you uh, to know, uh, especially our new listeners, as we have people coming and going around the world all the time, and I have no idea how to, how to track any of that. I just see numbers on a board. First of all, our website here is com slash citizenaction. You can get live shows, podcast shows, and please share all our shows. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-A-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. Our paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. And I appreciate it. Contributions, please go to givesendgo.com slash action radio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. You can use the search window uh, in Facebook by putting in Action Radio. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com, and please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and, uh, and, and beat the coming rush, because once we break out nationally, the show is going to be huge. Anyway, so I'll put that in a little uh, promo with music and, and make it sound a whole lot more fun than just uh, reading it dry. All right, so the thing uh, that I wanted to do, as I, is I changed, totally changed my show around this morning, um, is this wonderful court case, um, this Judge Doty. And I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I heard someone else pronounce it Doty. It's D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. Uh, usually the southern name around here is Daughtry, but there's no R in there, so it's Doty. <laughs> it was interesting. But the guy's incredible. Uh, it's just an amazing um, uh, court decision I bring over. Of course, you know, most people are going to read what everybody else says about it. And you know me, I like to go to the original source wherever possible. And so I'm going to start going through the case uh, today. And I've gotten up to uh, about page 84 of 155. Uh, so I'll probably do part two tomorrow. But we'll start at the beginning and uh, go through this. So this is the, uh, uh, this is the actual case. Uh, this is the actual memorandum. So in other words, it's not done yet. There's a class action lawsuit. Um, so I want to join it. I mean, I really, you know, we're so censored here. I mean, I kind of joke about this, but it's really true. We are so censored at Action Radio that I can't even get into the lawsuits. <laughs> challenging big tech, even though we've had a bill. And it's probably one of the main reasons we are censored, besides our vaccine stand and our COVID truth, uh, the actual information um, is the fact that uh, I wrote a bill two years ago and I kind of goofed. I had the two-year anniversary as June 19th. It's actually July 19th. So we get to celebrate uh, the two-year anniversary of our big tech bill yet again. And so since it was two years ago, uh, and since all these folks are now doing court cases that are two years late, <laughs> you know, it, it, just, it always cracks me up that we are so far ahead of everybody else. I mean, years ahead. Uh, I'm going to talk about this when it comes up in the court case. But uh, one of my favorite um, Facebook groups and the most necessary one, and, of course, it's the one that Facebook canceled, was the Zelenko Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse. And that was the only place I know where anybody could contact Dr. Zelenko directly. I mean, you post a question to that site, and he would answer it. This is a guy who wrote President uh, Trump. Uh, This is a a man that became a friend of mine um, before he became really famous, you know. And, of course, after that, he was busy and around the world and stuff like that. And I understand that. But we still managed to write a bill together. Uh, It's still on writeyourlaws.com. And so all this uh, amazing stuff uh, that he had, in fact, that's where I first discovered ivermectin. I was a little skeptical of it because I thought, wait a minute. I thought hydroxychloroquine was, you know, the drug. And I'm always suspicious of things that come afterwards. And people are like, no, 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 ivermectin's great. So I asked Dr. Zelenko, so what about this ivermectin stuff? He says, yeah, no, it's great. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, but we could do that. You know, we had access to, you know, one of the most brilliant men, uh, I think, ever in medicine. Uh, and and most, certainly one of the most courageous. And someone who knew that he was in terrible health anyway. I think he died in his 40s. Uh, which is amazing. Came from Ukraine. He was born in Ukraine. Came here. Um, but he already had a lung removed. He had heart disease. So he had cancer and heart disease. And so people think, you know, uh, the conspiracy types will go, well, gee, maybe the government killed him. No, he was in really bad shape. And he knew, he, I think he knew he was dying. And he didn't care. He fought. He just fought on. He did, what, his, he did what, uh, what God told him to do, just as I'm doing what God's telling me to do, which is to create Action Radio and create a situation where anybody, uh, anywhere in the world can write a law uh, and we'll work with them and, and hopefully with their government, you know, or at least work with them to work with their government uh, in ways that nobody's ever thought possible. And so a good place to do this would be France right now, since the French are being overrun with, uh, you know, I, I would I hesitate to say immigrants because I don't know. And I don't know what the population of illegal aliens to actual immigrants. Maybe they just let everybody in because they're stupid uh, and now they've got problems. You know, the, if you want to destroy your country, let a whole bunch of people in who, who just want the money and, and want the benefits and don't care about the country. They have no history, you know, in France. I mean, just because you're, you're in Algeria doesn't mean, you know, which was, you know, controlled by France at one point doesn't mean that uh, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're fully vested in French culture, French history, French language and other stuff. Uh, and that's a problem. You know, it's a problem we have in this country, too. So, so the real test is going to be uh, how to have these people self-deport and, and, you know, go back across the border in as big a wave or bigger waves than they came in. It's possible. Asset forfeiture make their lives impossible. Um, you know, confiscate the companies that hire them. And if that means General Motors, then that means General Motors. Then it gets confiscated. I mean, that's how this goes. This is how serious this is. Anyway, so one of the biggest things um, is information. Freedom of information. Uh, is critical. In fact, I wrote an article um, for my Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com, said the cure for COVID was always freedom. You know, I can pull up a little later depending on, on how things go. But uh, go to gregpenglis.substack.com. In fact, I'll put it, uh, put it in the live chat right now for those that are listening live. gregpenglis, P-E-N-G-L-S, hopefully I can spell my own name, dot, Substack. There we go. Uh, no space, C-O-M. So that's where you find it. So it, it's uh, the cure for COVID was freedom. Because freedom, freedom of information, freedom of, with our coronavirus clearinghouse, freedom with uh, the knowledge of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin would have kicked COVID's butt in about, what, three months? We'd have been gone. Uh, Peter Navarro had 80 million uh, COVID, uh, had hydroxychloroquine you know, tablets ready to go. That would have been it. Plus zinc. So hydroxychloroquine plus zinc uh, plus azithromycin for pneumonia, uh, vitamin D3 and vitamin C. That's the Zelenko protocol. That would have kicked COVID's butt. I mean, it's just that simple. We, we all knew the cure. But the government didn't want that. And, and the, the fascist cabal of big government health Nazis led by Dr. Fascist, um, big tech and big pharma, who are all colluding together with big media. To the four of them, in a fascist cabal colluded together. That fascism is the union of government and corporations into one single totalitarian entity, which is what happened during COVID. And of course, all, most of the governors, except Kristi Noem, uh, who never went along with it. She's the only one who never went along with it. Uh, South Dakota was always uh, a free state compared to the uh, the communist states um, that uh, you know follow the you know the, the guidelines, which were which were basically suggestions. And then and then Dr. Fascist comes along and says, "Well, we didn't force anybody. We we, we don't have regulatory power." Yeah. After he kills a million people. All right. Anyway, so the case itself is about uh, free speech. And, f- and you know, the, the Constitution works, folks, no matter what the the pandemic, no matter what the nuclear war, no matter what the national emergency, the Constitution is always in force. Always, always, always. And any attempt to tell you that the Constitution can be limited, your rights can be restricted, uh, all this bogus stuff coming out of the um, uh, the various courts on, on uh, reasonable restrictions or compelling state interest or strict scrutiny. It's all made up. None of that is in the Constitution. None of that is genuine. None of that is real. The Constitution is supreme over any of these Supreme Court uh, or lo- lower court you know theories or anything else that they seem to want to do. Very strange. All right. So the court case is the United States District Court, Western District of Louisiana, Monroe Division. So this is district court. So this is one of the, i think it's the lowest level it goes district circuit appellate and then supreme i think i believe those are the four four levels of the supreme court uh, but the judge is terry a dottie, uh and it's, it's called memorandum ruling on request for preliminary injunction and so this isn't the end this is not this is by no means this is the end of the case but this memorandum is so thorough <laughs> you pretty much know where it's going and so he uh, judge terry a dottie says at issue before the court is a motion for preliminary injunction um, filed by uh, the defendants, uh, you know, filed by the plaintiffs. And there's a lot of plaintiffs. Uh, state of Missouri, State of Louisiana, Dr. Aaron Kirati, uh, Dr. Martin Kuldorf, Jim, Jim Hoft of uh, Gateway Pundit, Dr. Gianta Batacharya. I'm by names. And Jill Hines. Okay, so how come I'm not there? How come nobody told me about this lawsuit? I would have been on a party to it in a second. You know, in fact, our censorship is so bad, I don't even find out about these things until after their memorandums. I want to see if I can join the plaintiffs. Apparently, they're going to do a class action lawsuit, and I want to join. Uh, I've tried to join the children's health defense lawsuit. I'm I'm on it, but no one talks to me. You know, I mean, we get censored all the time. I had a Facebook group, Disabled, the one I just talked about, you know, the Zelenko Coronavirus Clearinghouse. Um, I've had uh, shows suppressed uh, on social media. I am completely suppressed on an ongoing basis and have been for three years. You know, I've suffered, my business, you know, Action Radio is nowhere near what it could be simply because uh, of the massive censorship that's out there. And so uh, this has been a huge problem for me. Uh, in fact, like I say, it's so bad, I can't even get on the lawsuits, you know, to uh, to get some uh, reparations for all the damage that they have done to, to my company uh, and our dream here, Action Radio. Anyway, so he says, that, uh, so he's got those, so the plaintiffs, those are the good folks. The defendants <laughs> oppose the motion, of course. Uh, they said plaintiffs have, have filed a reply to the opposition. The court heard oral arguments. Yeah. So, they were, so a preliminary injunction. Let's see if I can draw my Jonathan Mosley lessons. So the, the government said, well, just throw the case out. There's no merit. There's no, you can't do this. There's no reason for it. You know, the, remember the test for lawsuits. Uh, there's a couple of things. They have to have a presumption that they're going to succeed, that it has to be, per, that has to be personal injury, and, and whatever that third one was. So you have to prove that your, I guess your rights have been violated, there's been personal injury to, oh, standing. Yeah, this is like a standing test, right? That's what it is. Uh, and you have to prove that you have a reasonable chance of succeeding. Well, obviously there's been censorship, <laughs> just so much censorship, there's mountains of it. You know, so, so the standing test was easy, uh, but I guess the government, being the government, said, well, you know, uh, we, uh, we want to throw this injunction out because obviously we're just acting in the public interest by removing misinformation. Uh, and of course, who's to determine, you know, what's misinformation, Right. Uh, if the government what misinformation of the government is stuff they don't like, misinformation is when they lie to you and you point out that they're lying to you. They say that the pointing out their lies is misinformation. No, <laughs> it's, it's, that's what the First Amendment's for. Anyway, so it's a, it's a very interesting thing. Anyway, it says the court heard oral arguments on this motion May twenty sixth, twenty twenty three. So not that long ago, uh, and this is a pretty quick memorandum. So this is July. So that's from May twenty sixth till July. Uh, when did this come out? Just a couple of days ago. So be July one. Maybe yesterday. Was it 4th, 5th, 3rd? When did it come? What's the date? I'm looking for a date. Doesn't say. (laughs) Anyway, but I know it's just come out because we've all been reporting on it. All right. Um, May 26th. uh, says Amicus Curie briefs. In other words, friend of the court. Amicus, you know, amiable, that kind of stuff. That's where it comes from. Amicus Curie Briefs have been filed in this proceeding on behalf of Alliance Defending Freedom, the Buckeye Institute, and the Children's Health Defense. Oh, maybe I am in. Oh, if it's, children health, if it's Children's Health Defense, maybe I am in on this lawsuit. Good, because <laughs> I talked to uh, uh, some folks that, uh, that put me in there. So let's, let's double check. Anyway, there's a whole list of defendants. I'm not going to go through them all. It's most of the, the illegal branded insurrection. The problem is he doesn't call it the illegal Brandon insurrection, even though he does talk about the government uh, as part of the fraud. So let me just go through this. And if you have commentary, you can go on live chat if you want to call me, 215-383-832. I do not mind being interrupted, uh, but uh, not for long because I, I want to stick to the case because it is so fascinating. So in the introduction, he says, the first thing he does is, quote, Evelyn Beatrice Hill, 1906, The Friends of Voltaire. I may disapprove of what you say, but I would defend to the death your right to say it. How many people would do that? How many people would defend to the death um, your right to say something they disagree with? These days, you know, the government says, I would basically put you to death you know, for what you say because they're basically doing that. They're the January 6th people. What are they in prison for? They're political prisoners. It's a thought crime. Well, they thought that the, the, the election was stolen. Well, they're absolutely right. This is what makes this all so fascinating. Anyway, um, let do a quick check here. My microphone sounds a little weird again. I changed the mic cable because I lost the signal yesterday. No one seems to be saying I'm not talking, so I assume I'm talking. <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of how it works around here. But I don't hear anything bad. Uh, I guess I'm still going. This is why I need meters. Blog talk, you listening to me? Meters. Meters would help. Meters would definitely help. All right, but they don't seem to uh, uh, listen to me, which is really too bad. So the judge says, this case is about the free speech clause in the First Amendment in the United States Constitution. So right there, uh, he cites the Constitution right up in the very first sentence. And why that's critical is because so many of the the cases coming out of the Supreme Court and other places, especially by the leftists, they don't talk about the Constitution at all. See, but the only justification for a case before, especially the Supreme Court, is that there's a constitutional issue, you know, case and and it's a case in law and equity. That's it. That's their jurisdiction. Right. So immediately he he he, uh, correctly states his jurisdiction as the case is about the free speech clause in the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. He says the explosion of social media platforms has resulted in unique free speech issues. This is especially true in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I question whether it was a pandemic or a plandemic, which is what Judy Mikovits says. He says if the allegations made by the plaintiffs are true, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in the United States history. In their attempts to suppress alleged disinformation, the federal government, and particularly the defendants named here, are alleged to have blatantly ignored the First Amendment's right to free speech. Let me over some of the defendants, actually. This might not be a bad idea. Defendants. He says President Joseph R. Biden, but uh, I would really rather call him Illegal Brandon. Illegal Brandon. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the so-called press secretary. Vivek H. Murthy. Xavier, uh, Xavier Becerra. He's the Health and Human Services guy. Uh, Hugh Auschengloss, National Institute for, uh, for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, that would be Dr. Fash's organization, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, Alejandro Mayorkas, who's the alleged Department of Homeland Security head, uh, Jen Easterly, uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure, uh, Carol Crawford, uh, United States Census Bureau, <laughs> United States Department of Commerce, someone else is in there, Robert Silvers, uh, at least, these, basically, it's a who's who of the branded insurrection. Those are the defendants. All right. So it says, although the censorship alleged in this case, almost exclusively targeted conservative speech. <laughs> no kidding. The issues raised here go beyond party lines. Well, yeah, because both parties did it. <laughs> he says the right to free speech is not a member um, not a member of any political party and does not hold any political ideology. It is the purpose of the free speech clause of the First Amendment to preserve an uninhibited marketplace of ideas in which truth will ultimately prevail rather than to countenance monopolization of the market, whether it be by government itself or a private licensee. And he cites a case of Red Line Broadcasting versus FCC. He says plaintiffs allege um, that defendants Although public pressure, uh, through public pressure, here, we go, let me start again. Plaintiffs allege that defendants, that would be the Brandon insurrection, through public pressure campaigns, private meetings, and other forms of direct communication regarding what defendants described as disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation. They seem to have dropped malinformation. It's usually misinformation or disinformation. In other words, truth. They, he said, he, then he says, uh, the defendants have colluded with and or... Coerced social media platforms to suppress disfavored speakers—that'd be me—viewpoints—that'd be mine—and content on social media platforms—that'd be mine again. (laughs) Plaintiffs also allege that the suppression constitutes government action, and that it is a violation of plaintiffs' freedom of speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. So let's talk about government action. This is something another thing Jonathan Mosley does. And so what it means is that if a company, if a government um, can't do something because they're prohibited to do it, in other words, by the First Amendment, and they coerce or force or um, what's the word t- or entrap or uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of where they, they it's beyond coercion, um, but uh, extortion. <laughs> so if they extort, for example, in other words, on pain of uh, potential crimes, real or imagined, uh, and long jail terms like they do with the January 6th people, oh, you better confess to this misdemeanor or we're going to hit you with a major felony, neither of which are valid. <laughs> you know, so you say, well, no, I'm not going to confess to the misdemeanor. I didn't do anything. I'm not guilty. Uh, your charges are false. Your charges are bogus. This is a political trap. No, I'm not going to confess I didn't do anything. Uh, why don't you confess to the crimes that you've committed? You know, judge, <laughs> government attorneys, uh, jailers in the in the DC Gulag, they're the ones who are committing the crimes and they cover it up by having a bunch of other people allegedly, you know, put in jail for crimes they didn't commit. That's that's an interesting tactic for uh, for government criminals to not only deny that they had anything to do with the crimes that they did, but to put other people in jail for them. <laughs> That's fascinating. Oh, it's also terrifying. All right. So this is what he says. So, he's, so the whole idea is that uh, if the government can't do it, that also means the government can't uh, entrap or, or extort anybody else to do it. So in, in doing so, those companies, in other words, social media, become government actors. Okay. So in other words, they're acting like the government. Well, if the government can't do it, they can't make anybody else do it acting like a government either, all right? They're just as liable. So anyway, he says uh, it is a violation, it is a violation of Plato's freedom of speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. So he actually says, hey, this is this is kind of novel for a judge. He actually puts in the First Amendment. He's actually quoting the Constitution. I'm really impressed with this guy, right? He says Congress shall make, no, well, the, the, the First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech that's in bold type or of the press, that would be the printing press, in other words, social media (laughs) or the right of the people to assemble, as in January 6th and to petition the government for a redress of grievances also as in January 6th. First Amendment, U.S. Constitution, Amendment 1, the principal function, and this is is a really great line here, uh, the principal function of free speech under The United States system of government is to invite dispute. It may indeed best serve its high purpose when it induces a condition of unrest, creates dissatisfaction with conditions as they are, or even stirs people to anger. And that's Texas v. Johnson. He quotes freedom of speech and press is the indispensable condition of nearly every other form of freedom. That's critical. Freedom of speech and press, in other words, the ability to get your information out. So don't think of of press as media. That's not what it means. Press is the ability. uh, Remember how they used to do the printing press, right? Well, that's how all the pamphlets were written. Uh, Thomas Paine, you know, the crisis, uh, all the the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, which are far more important than the Federalist Papers because they're a lot more accurate. Um, all those original documents were done on, on, a, on a manual printing press. So the type was set, the ink was rolled on, uh, a large piece of parchment was put over it, and a, and a big wheel was was uh, pressed down, big flat, you know, piece of iron, because I don't think they had steel yet. I would then press the paper on the ink-rolled typeset, and that's how they printed. Well, that's what they mean by the pr- that's what the press. But that, uh, but today. Just as, you know, the, the Second Amendment doesn't apply to muskets, you know, from 1700s, uh, the press does not apply to a manual printing press. It applies to any form of communication. So any form of communication that you use, you know, you have a freedom from government interference or government actors. So in other words, social media cannot be touched because of the First Amendment. But Greg, but Greg, but Greg, they're private companies. Yeah, so what? So are restaurants that want to segregate black people. They're private companies too can't do it. If you're open to the public, you got to serve the public. If you're open and you don't have a private membership, a private, dues, a, a private you know, a closed system where only certain people can participate, if you're open to the public and you have social media, which is public information, then you have to be open to everybody. That's just how it works. That's what public accommodation means. Let me start again. The principal function of free speech under the United States system of government is to invite dispute. It may indeed best serve its high purpose when it induces a condition of unrest, creates dissatisfaction with the conditions as they are, or even stirs people to anger. That would be action radio. (laughs) He says freedom of speech and press is the indispensable condition of nearly every other form of freedom. The following quotes reveal the founding fathers' thoughts on freedom of speech. So I bet you didn't read this in the news. This guy actually quotes the founding fathers in his court case. This is phenomenal. Here's one from George Washington, March 15, 1783. For if men are to be precluded from offering their sentiments on a matter which may involve the most serious and alarming consequences that can invite the consideration of mankind, reason is of no use to us. The freedom of speech may be taken away, and dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. That would be COVID-19, Dr. Fascist, and the, uh, the media, government, Pharma Cabal, Big Tech Cabal too. George Washington, March 15th, 1783. Here's another one. Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. Letters of silence dogwood. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the free acts of speech. Thomas Jefferson doesn't say when. Reason and free inquiry are the only effectual agents against error. Judge says, the question does not concern whether speech is conservative, moderate, liberal, progressive, or somewhere in between. What matters is Americans, despite their views, will not be censored or suppressed by the government. Other than well-known exceptions to the free speech clause, all political views and content are protected free speech. The issues present to this court are important and deeply intertwined in the daily lives of the citizens of this country. So here's my first question. What are the well-known exceptions to the free speech clause? I don't know any. Uh, There are no exceptions to the free speech clause, (laughs) okay, Um, because we're talking about the right of free speech, just like there are no exceptions to the Second Amendment. The right of the people to keep and bear arms is an absolute right. So here's the first mistake I found in the the judge's reasoning, okay? There are no exceptions to the free speech clause because if the government can make exceptions, then there is no right because anytime the government makes exceptions, then, then it becomes a government privilege to be regulated. And a regulated government privilege is not what the Constitution says. The Constitution says it's a right, and all rights are absolute by definition. For if they not be absolute, and if the government has the infringement upon them, then they aren't rights anymore. And that's just the basic definition of a right. And so the judge is wrong. Now, the most well-known exception that's really not an exception that comes to mind is you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. And I forgot which judge said that, uh, but that judge was wrong. You can. You do have the right to yell fire in a crowded theater. What's different is if you take that action. Okay, You've got to separate rights from actions because they're two totally different things. We have a right to keep and bear arms, and that is absolute. The government cannot use prior restraint. They cannot touch you in advance for carrying arms, and that includes anything. Magazines, high, you know, normal capacity, <laughs> almost at high capacity, um, machine guns, fully automatic weapons. All those things are arms. You know, you can. Some people consider a battleship you know, their arms, uh, and I would agree, actually. It's kind of interesting. So the question – or, some, or here's, the, here's the really crazy question. Uh, well, does that mean that you can carry a nuclear bomb? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, would a nuclear bomb be considered um, arms? Well, if you yeah, – okay, let's, let's go off on a limb here. Let's say yes. But the question is, can you use a nuclear bomb legally? And the answer is no. So, you, so really, because there's no possible use for it, would a reasonable person do it? Would a law-abiding citizen do it? No. Because you can't use it, okay? And I I imagine that the materials, the nuclear materials, are illegal themselves. And I also imagine that uh, the uh, centrifuge, you know, to create the enriched uranium to create a nuclear bomb, that's probably illegal too, okay? So so asking whether you can carry a nuclear bomb is a ridiculous question. It is a moot question. It doesn't matter. So let's go back to the other things. Battleship. Can you carry a battleship? Well, actually, there were private battleships uh, used in the War of 1812. So, yes, you can. The government bought them, I think. You know, so can you, can you carry battleships? Yeah. Can, would those be? Can How about a tank? Can you carry a tank? Sure. If the government's using tanks against you, it's perfectly valid. But where are you going to legally use a tank? So that's the question. So the question is both the right, which is absolute, the use, which is not. <laughs> because uses always come under legal and illegal. And so does free speech. So in other words, back to our example of the, uh, you know, can you yell fire in a crowded theater? Well, yes, if there's a fire. Of course you can't. That would be stupid not to. So like I said, I've used this example before. Imagine some idiot who has in their head, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Okay. Well, what if there's a fire? Well, I don't know. Yes, you can. Okay. So can you yell fire in a crowded theater when there isn't a fire? No. <laughs> you know, especially if people are injured or killed by you doing that. So now you're, you're responsible. That's called uh, what? criminally negligent homicide or manslaughter. If you do an act that's that stupid. You know, and so so free speech is absolute, but once you speak, what you speak comes under legal and illegal uses, and that's the difference so the use the action is different than the right. The right is the firewall against government. the action is what you are personally responsible for because you did it. You took the action, so in other words, the government cannot stop you from lawful action, okay. Um, but they can, if you've taken unlawful action, yeah, then they can go after you, but they can't go after you ahead of time. That's why red flag laws are illegal because that's prior restraint. You cannot be restricted for what the government thinks you might do in the future. Maybe that's prior restraint. That's illegal. That's what the constitution says. So, you know, can you prevent all gun violence? No, because you're always going to have criminals. You're always going to have spontaneous acts. I mean, even in the, the most restrictive countries, they still have violence. They just use different things. Baseball bats, bottles. You know, motorcycle chains. I mean, who knows? Anything can be a weapon. Screwdrivers. You know, so anything can be a weapon. You know, but what it comes down to is, can the government touch your right to keep and bear arms? And the answer is no. But if you use those arms illegally, can they touch you then? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That's the difference. All right. So let's go back to uh, this here. He says, the issues presented to this court are important and deeply intertwined in the daily lives of the citizens of this country factual background so I'm going to take a quick break right now play something you know mute myself and, uh, and turn off my air conditioner uh, I hate doing it because it's really nice to have it but uh, it is now
0: 729
1: I'll just going to make a little note here to myself 729 break this makes it a lot easier to do the show notes afterwards if I actually write down what we're doing as we're doing it yeah. so let's play this and I'll be right back Greg Penglis here for my book The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly Few try Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic, and is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive, is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. So I'll be taking shorter commercial breaks because I have, you know, two hours today. I keep thinking I only have one hour, but uh, I actually have two. So the next star is uh, me also. And then we'll get to CJ, and then I'll let her talk, which would be a, a great thing. All right, so we're talking about the case, um, the censorship case, the First Amendment case, where uh, Judge Doty basically told the, uh, the branded, illegal Brandon insurrection to pound sand and stop telling social media what to do. He <laughs> prevent them from even talking to each other. It's really great. And anyway, this is a class action suit. I think if Children's Health Defense is in on this, then I think I'm in on it also. So I just got to find out Um, because, hey, I'll I'll take the money. (laughs) I'll take the money from Big Tech for all the money they've cost me and and rebuild my organization bigger and and bigger after all the censorship they've done. Oh, yeah, I'll do that in a second. What am I going to get anyway? Hmm, Be interesting to find out. All right. Factual background. In this case, plaintiffs allege that defendants suppressed conservative-leaning free speech, that'd be us, such as. Suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, we talked about that. Two, suppressing speech about the lab leak theory of COVID-19's origin. Yeah, we did that February 25th uh, of 2020 with Bill Gertz. So, yep, that's us. Suppressing, number three, suppressing speech about the efficiency of masks and COVID-19 lockdowns. Yep, that would be us again, starting March 2nd of 2020. Number four, suppressing speech about the efficiency of COVID-19 vaccines. Yeah, that'd be us starting in March 2nd of 2020. Uh, number five, suppressing speech about election integrity in the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, that'd be us starting uh, the day after the election. <laughs> Does that be number, November 4th, um, 20, uh, 2020? Nope. Number six, suppressing speech about the security of voting by mail. Yep, that'd be us about the same time. Suppressing parody content about defendants. Oh, we love our parody content here. <laughs> so that'll be us too. Number eight. Suppressing negative posts about the economy. Hmm. I think we've had several negative posts about the economy. In fact, I think we've done whole dissertations on it, you know, uh, plus our bill uh, to ban Congress from borrowing money. So, yeah, that's us. And number nine, suppressing negative posts about President Biden. Well, since we don't even call him that, I think we're definitely included number nine. So all the things, uh, uh, so the plaintiffs, all the things the plaintiffs are alleging are things that we have done and that we have been censored for. So there's no reason for us not to be in this lawsuit. Uh, first of all, we never say President Biden because he's not. He's still the government. Obama's still the government with the Democrats and the, uh, the, the gelding Republicans and uh, created a situation where a senile old man who really should be in a hospital getting taken care of or, and then on his porch you know, eating ice cream and drinking lemonade probably at the same time, um, that's where he should be. You should not be in the White House or what I'm calling now the White Powder House. Oh, let, let's talk about um, uh, propaganda for a minute because I engage in it regularly and I'm proud of it too so I made a Facebook post uh, that totally fabricated something here because apparently that's the way to do things these days so I said um, uh, this is a post this is, and you go to my Facebook page this is actually public so anybody can do it I said hey Hunter don't forget your crack cocaine next time people are already calling uh, calling it the white powder house okay that's not true by the way I, <laughs> I purposely posed that as, a, as, as my own little property nobody's calling it the white I, I think I was the first one okay now, if you want to start calling it the white powder house, that's why I made the posting. So this is how propaganda works. So I put a suggestion in, in your head saying that everybody's already doing it. So, oh, it's okay. So let's see, who, let's see who picks up on it. Let's see who picks up and says, no, Greg, nobody did that. That's you. <laughs> so this, this is my own personal amusement. I, I post things just for curiosity all the time. Another one I post is an international friend asked you know, on one of my comments on one of my pages, you know, who was pulling Brandon Strings? I said Obama. Then I said, but the real question is who is pulling Obama's strings. So let me put that thought in your head, too, as we get back to the great case of Doty on um, suppressing the Brandon insurrection from continuing to violate the First Amendment. Factual background. Uh, oh, I already read that. Ah, Skip down. Plaintiffs Bhattacharya and Kuldorf are infectious disease epidemiologists and co-authors of the Great Baron Declaration, henceforth referred to as the GBD meant to be confused with CBD, which is something entirely different. The GBD was published on October 4th, 2020. You guys were late to the party. We were already there in February. Uh, The GBD criticized lockdown policies and expressed concern about the damaging physical and mental health health impacts of lockdowns. Mm. Again, welcome to the party. They allege that shortly after being published, the GBD was censored on social media by Google, Facebook, Twitter, and others which is, of course, why we went over it in great detail, uh, by the Sharia and Kuldorf further alleged on October 8th, October 8th, 2020, four days after publishing the GBD, Dr. Francis Collins, Dr. Fascist, well, they call him Dr. Fauci, and Cliff Lane, not sure who that is, pr- proposed together a, quote, takedown of the GBD and followed up with an organized campaign to discredit it. Yeah, that I do remember. Dr. Kuldorf allegedly uh, additionally alleges that he was censored by twitter on several occasions because of his tweets with content such as thinking everyone must be vaccinated is scientifically flawed well uh thinking everyone must be vaccinated is scientifically flawed <laughs> we've done that a bunch of times with dr zelenko himself <laughs> on the show uh in august of 2020 before he passed away uh, i think in 2021 or is it 2022 maybe it's 2022 i'm not sure i'll have to go back and check but uh oh, bless that man all right anyway um it's just fascinating all these things that they're talking about. They did, we did. <laughs> and maybe it's not like I'm blowing my own horn too much, but it, it's just it, it's frustrating to me on a continual basis that things that these folks you know get credit for are things that were done months after we did them. And so yeah, I'm a little upset, a little frustrated because I know damn well that we should be one of the prominent defendants, uh, excuse me, plaintiffs in this lawsuit. And why we're not, I don't know. We've got examples of all this stuff, not just one or two. You know, these plaintiffs are alleging, we, we, were, we did all of it and we were affected by all of it. Uh, Twitter, for example, um, I, mean, I think I've gained three followers since 2020 on Twitter. Three. I post my show every day. You would think just out of curiosity, random curiosity, we'd have several thousand, maybe several tens of thousands of what we do because nobody else does it. I mean, our show titles are incredible uh, and our shows are incredible. So have a, how is it that I've only gotten three followers? You know how many people see my tweets uh, for shows? One, two, maybe three. That's insane. Because when I post it, it's prime time of the day. You know, you would think that people would just be a little more curious than that. So that's suppression. So Twitter is still suppressing us. Facebook, my reporters regularly report that when they post the shows, they have a tiny, tiny fraction of the people see it who see the rest of their posts. Oh, guess what? So we're targeted. We're shadow let That's called shadow banning. So all the things that are going on out there to everybody else are going on to us, which is why we better damn well be a plaintiff in this lawsuit. Now I'm getting mad. <laughs> Sorry. Next one. Plaintiff, Hill jo- uh, Jill Hines, excuse me, plaintiff Jill Hines is the co-director of Health Freedom Louisiana, a consumer and human rights advocacy organization. Hines alleges she was censored by defendants because she advocated against the use of mask mandates on young uh She launched an effort called Reopen Louisiana on April 6, 2020 to expand Health Freedom's Louisiana's reach on social media. Heinz alleges Health Freedom Louisiana's social media page began receiving warnings from Facebook. Well, see, I was taken off Facebook. I was restricted on Facebook. My whole account was, was uh, restricted, and many of my groups have been restricted. Like I say, welcome to the party. Then it says Heinz was suspended on Facebook in January 2022 for sharing display board that contained Pfizer's preclinical trial data. Additionally, posts about the safety of masking and adverse events from vaccinations, including VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Effects Uh, something service uh, data and posts encouraging people to contact the legislature to end the government's mask mandate were censored on Facebook. Yeah, mine too. And other social media platforms. Yeah, mine too. Heinz alleges that because of the censorship, the reach of Health Freedom Louisiana was reduced from 1.4 million engagements per month to approximately 98,000. Heinz also alleges that her personal Facebook page has been censored and restricted for posting content that is protected free speech. Yep. I know. <laughs> Additionally, Heinz alleges that two of their Facebook groups, HFL Group and North Shore HFL, were deplatformed for posting content protected as free speech. Yeah, the Dr. Zelenko Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse was disabled for exactly the same reason. What do we do? We're the ones that first broke the story on ivermectin. We had it months before anybody else. You know, back in 2020. Uh, I know, because that's when the website was up, when our Facebook group was up. And I hadn't heard of it. Again, I was initially skeptical um, because I thought hydroxychloroquine was the thing. But, uh, but uh, you know, again, I asked Dr. Solenko. I said, is this for rheosis? Yeah, it is. Well, okay. You yeah, know, I trust him. Anyway, because <laughs> he, he actually does the science. Uh, oh, there's a great meme the other day. Uh, it says that uh, there's a difference between following the science and following government scientists who are paid what to say. Big difference. Plaintiff Dr. Kiarati is a psychiatrist who has taught at several universities and written numerous articles. He had approximately 158,000 Twitter followers on December 2021 and approximately 1,300 LinkedIn connections. Kiarati alleges he began experiencing censorship on Twitter and LinkedIn after posting content opposing COVID-19 lockdowns and vaccine mandates. Dr. Kiarati also alleges that his posts were shadow banned, meaning his tweets did not appear in the followers' Twitter feeds. Yep. Additionally, a video uh, of an interview of Dr. Ciarity on the ethics of vaccine mandates was removed from YouTube. So here's a problem we have, too. And, uh, and I could uh, go a few more of these of, of well-known people. When they get to the more obscure folks, I'll skip down to the next section. But one of the problems we had at Action Radio was we were already at a huge disadvantage um, because initially I was at W.E.B.Y. 1330 a.m., Northwest Florida's radio talk and news leader. What was it? Radio and what was it again? W-E-B-Y, Northwest News Talk Leader. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. (laughs) Mike was my boss. Um, But what was interesting was that we were building quite a following. We were doing extremely well. We had uh, online listeners nationally, you know, and it was getting bigger. We wrote legislation on the air. We got approval of that legislation from my congressman, Matt Gaetz. Uh, And three days later, I was fired. And this was in July of 2018. Um, So I had to start all over again at Blog Talk Radio from scratch, you know, 2018, so 2019, you know, by the time 2020 rolled around, uh, I hadn't built up enough an audience to, to get really famous like these other folks. But had we been able to go consistently 2017, 2018, 2019, and then 2020 been censored, we would have had a much larger audience and much more effect, you know, on the, uh, on the public. But because we were already uh, – I was already fired you know, from WBY when the new owners bought the station. And that happens in radio. That's just, that's just one of those things. But the point is it did happen. And because it happened, you know, rather than keeping the station going after the new owners bought it, um, that I had to start over. So I, I basically have been sent twice. Once, you know, losing the radio station where we were doing quite well. Uh, and two, um, when the censorship came along, it was easy to censor me because I'd already lost my audience uh, when I was fired. You know, and I wasn't fired for, for cause other than doing what I was supposed to do, which is action radio. You know, I probably shouldn't use the word fired, uh, you know, whatever it was. My show was taken off the air. I mean, what do you say? What do you say when you're, you're contracted to do something and then you can't do it anymore? <laughs> you know, anyway, um, but that's the point. So that's why I think we're in a very different position than a lot of people, simply because we were at, well, action radio was, was taken off the air in 2018. Uh, and then 2019, they got COVID all geared up. And, and by early 2020, you know, we're basically censored again. So we've been censored twice, and that's why I think it's very different for us. Why we're not in these lawsuits because we didn't, we weren't able to build up the following that we would have had if I wasn't taken off uh, WBY in 2018. But you didn't know in 2018 that the COVID was going to hit later, well, except for those that planned it. So it's kind of interesting, um, and that's where we are now. So uh, this is another reason I want to get on these lawsuits and be able to show what we do uh, and get our bills out there. You know, the bill that that has uh, vaccine product liability over two years old. Uh, the bill that's not quite two years old. <laughs> due to an error of mine, or a big tech bill. Most of the bills we've written were written in 2017, 2018, and 2019, because that's when I, I had um, less to do, you know, in terms of uh, administrative stuff. Um, and we had a show, we had a producer, we had all kinds of cool things. All right, back to the lawsuit, uh, back to the judgment. And it's actually a memorandum. It's not a final judgment yet. Anyway, what, what all this does is what they did was they denied the, the preliminary injunction of the, uh, injunction of the government. In other words, the government said, this, this lawsuit can't go forward. And the judge said, yes, it can. (laughs) That's essentially where we're going with this. All right. Plaintiff Jim Hoft is the owner and operator of, this is from the case. Plaintiff Jim Hoft is the owner and operator of the Gateway Pundit, a news website located in St. Louis, Missouri in connection with GP. That's the Gateway Pundit. Hoft operates uh, the GP's social media accounts with Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. By the way, we're on all those as well. The GP's Twitter account was uh, previously had over 400,000 followers. The Facebook account had over 650,000 followers. The Instagram account had over 200,000 followers, and the YouTube account had over 98,000 followers. The GP's Twitter account was suspended on January 2nd, 2021, again on January 29th, 2021, <laughs> yeah. uh, and permanently suspended from Twitter on February 6th, 2021. The first suspension was in response to a negative post by Ha, negative post Hoff made about Dr. Fascist, and I'm going to keep using that term. Statement that the COVID-19 vaccine will only block symptoms and not block the infection, which is true. The second suspension was because of a post Hoff made about changes to election law in Virginia that allowed late mail-in ballots without postmarks to be counted. Finally, Twitter issued a permanent ban after a uh, Gateway pundit uh, Twitter account posted video footage from security cameras in Detroit, Michigan, from election night 2020, which showed two delivery vans d- driving to a building at 3.30 a.m. with boxes which were alleged to contain election ballots. Hoft also alleges repeated instances of censorship by Facebook, including warning labels and other restrictions for posts involving COVID-19 and or election integrity issues during 20 and 21. Anyway, there's more to hold up. Um, I have screenshots of all the time, of all my restrictions. So there's like about, what, 20? 30 (laughs) because I'm on screenshots of times when I was restricted on different accounts. Maybe I'm more than that. Let me check it out. Let me take a look right now. I'm kind of curious. Let's see how many, uh, how how many, uh, how many screenshots do I have of restrictions? Screenshots, screenshots, screenshots. Yep, 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 yep. Lots. (laughs) There's a a lot of screenshots. Uh, Let me see here. Let's, Let's do my show all. Yep, more screenshots. 2022. We've got more screenshots. Uh, not so many there. Uh, there's more party 2021. 2021. Dun, dun, dun. Yep, more screenshots. <laughs> got a whole bunch of screenshots in 2021. Wow, there's like 40 right there. Uh oh, gee, I'm still scrolling. 50, maybe? Anyway. So I've got I got plenty of, of evidence of um censorship against me. So there. <laughs> Big Jack, take that.
0: <sighs>
1: Can't wait to get on this lawsuit. I think, like I said, I'm supposed to be on this lawsuit. Uh, actually, Action Radio is, but we'll see. We'll see what's going on. All right, where's my next uh, skip to? So I have a bunch of, uh, I covered kind of half the case here. And let me see what we've got here. Skip to page 28. Let's go to page 28. So I'm going to skip down a little bit here. I wonder if I can just, page 28, 27, 28. Ah, more defendants. So we got the initial defendants. Uh, Oh, wait a minute. Where are the first defendants? Hang on. Let me scroll back again. Did I get the initial defendants? Oh, that's factual background. So where is part A? I think I I may have missed one. Ah, here we go. I forgot part A. White House defendants. (laughs) This is the number one. I'll get to that one later. So this is on page nine. So let me put an addition to my show notes here. Uh, to, 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 page nine. Yeah. Let's hang on. i put this in my front page. Nine. One thing I'm going to spell is the word defendant. There's an A in it. <laughs> Who knew? Save that. Move on. Back to the case. White House defendants. Page nine. (laughs) Plaintiffs assert that by using emails, public and private messages, public and private meetings and other means, the White House defendants have, quote, significantly encouraged, I would say extorted and coerced. That's a good word. Social media platforms to suppress protected free speech posted on social media platforms. Uh, At some point, I got to find where he says why it's protected free speech, Um, because, like I say, the the argument is, well, they're private companies. They can do what they want and they have Section 230 protection. But we have already proved that Section 230 is bogus that what they're doing is a violation of the Constitution, especially where it says that they don't have to take the Constitution into account when they're violating free speech. That's fascinating. So we'll we'll get to that probably um, tomorrow when I go through the other half of this case. So he says, on January 23, 2021, three days after after illegal Brandon seized office, Clark Humphrey, who at the time was the digital director for the COVID-19 response team, do you believe that? They had a COVID-19 Team. They had their own team. <laughs> they, they had a whole team organized to uh, go after truth. So this is the anti-truth squad. This is what we should call them, you know, of illegal Brandon who seized the White House. Fascinating. Uh, this is, so the, anyway, it says, uh, three days after illegal Brandon seized office, Clark Humphrey, my words, right, obviously. Clark Humphrey, who at the time was running the response team. Anyway, so so Clark Humphrey emailed Twitter and requested the removal of an anti-COVID-19 vaccine tweet by Robert F Kennedy Jr. Oh, who by the way should have our vaccine bill by now. Hoping to hear back on that. Humphrey sent a copy of the email to Rob Flaherty, former deputy assistant to the president or the White House occupant and director of digital strategy on the email and asked if quote we can keep an eye out for tweets that fall in this same genre. The email said, "Hey folks, wanted to flag the below tweet and I'm wondering if we can get moving on the process of having it removed ASAP. This is a white house official said, Hey folks, <laughs> wanted to flag the below tweet. And I'm wondering if we can get moving on the process of having it removed ASAP. That's illegal. And there's a smoking gun. It doesn't get clearer than that. It's like when, when Brandon you know, says he got to the Ukrainian attorney general fired uh, so that his son wouldn't be prosecuted or investigated and that he, uh, he then, uh, he withheld a billion dollars in aid until that was done. That's a smoking gun, folks. <laughs> it doesn't get clearer than that. So one thing I want to talk to, um, I'm trying to get to Alan Dershowitz on the show. I know, long shot, I know. I'd love to talk to him. Anyway, but one of the things I want to talk about um, is a new classification. Uh, right now, the, the, uh, the guilty, uh, the standard of guilt is beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, I would like to introduce a new standard called guilty beyond any doubt. <laughs> There's no doubt. and we, we know they did it. And how do you know? Because you've, you've literally found the smoking gun. You've got the evidence right here. It's clear, you know, whether it's digital, whether it's um, online, whether it, uh, not manipulated. Of course, you have to prove that. Uh, video surveillance, DNA, you know, I'd love to introduce a new standard. Guilty uh, beyond all doubt. And we'll see if I ever get uh, the professor on the show. We'll talk about that. All right. Part two. On February 6th, 2021, this is another one. Flaherty requested Twitter to remove a parody account linked to Finnegan Biden, Hun, Finnegan Biden, Hunter Biden's daughter, Finnegan Biden, that's her her name? Hunter Biden's daughter and President, uh, excuse me, resident Biden's granddaughter. The request stated, cannot stress the degree to which this needs to be resolved immediately. In other words, removed. And please remove this account immediately. Twitter suspended the parody account within 45 minutes of Flaherty's request. Would that be the Babylon (laughs) B? That's what I'm guessing, right? It doesn't say yet. Uh, another case, case three, on February 7th, 2021, Twitter sent Flaherty um, a Twitter's partner support portal for its expedited review of flagging content for censorship. So they have Twitter's, part, Twitter's partner support portal. So why would the government be a Twitter partner? I mean, that's supposed to be uh, engaged with them at all, right? So anyway, so for expedited review of flagging content. So in other words, Flaherty from, from the White House, from the illegally seized White House, could t- contact Twitter directly with things that they want to remove. Wow, that's even better than what Clinton had when he used to work with the press and manage them. This is direct access. Then it says Twitter recommended that Flaherty designate a list of authorized White House staff to enroll in Twitter's partner support portal and explained that when authorized reporters submit a, quote, ticket using the portal, the requests are prioritized automatically. So in other words, the White House gets preferential treatment on what they want removed fascinating. Twitter also stated that it has been recently bombarded with censorship requests from the White House, of course, and would prefer to have a streamlined process. I'm sure they would. Twitter noted that in a given day uh, last week, for example, we have more than four different people within the White House reach out for issues. Okay, this just keeps going. This is just bad person. So let me skip down to the next next category, um, which is, all right, so those are the White House defendants. There are lots of them, pages and pages and pages of them. There's like 18 more pages <laughs> of White House uh, defense, you know, stuff that they did wrong. So let's get down to page 28, where I was initially. Now I've covered the White House defendants. Let's cover the next set of defendants, which are, drum roll, please, Surgeon General defendants. Okay, this is the next category. See, see, there's different categories for all these defendants. This is what makes this so fascinating, right? Uh, it's just incredible uh, the way this goes. So Surgeon General defendants. Surgeon General Murthy, M-U-R-T-H-Y, is the Surgeon General of the United States. Eric Waldo is a senior advisor to the Surgeon General and was formerly chief engagement officer for the Surgeon General's office. Now we have uh, uh, Rick, what's his name, who's the Surgeon General, you know, the guy dressing up as a woman who's pretending to be trans, who's uh, not, has, probably knows nothing about health. They, I don't even know if he's, a, if, he's a, if he's a doctor. Who knows? Maybe, you know, I'd love to know whether they graduated in the medical school class. Anyway, says Waldo's deposition was taken as part of the allowed preliminary injunction-related discovery in this matter. Hmm. Waldo, this would be Eric Waldo, Senior Advisor to the General, was responsible for maintaining the contacts and relationships with representatives of social media platforms. Why did he have contacts and relationships with social media platforms? That's the first question. Then it says Waldo did pre-rollout calls with Twitter, Facebook, and Google YouTube before the Surgeon General's health advisory on misinformation, was published on July 15, 2021. So pre-rollout calls. So in other words, they they prepped social media on what was going to happen before it happened. That's how they all knew about it, right? This is Waldo admitted that Murphy Murphy used his office to directly advocate for social media platforms to take stronger actions against health, quote, misinformation, and that those actions involved putting pressure on social media platforms to reduce the dissemination of health misinformation. In other words, life-saving information. That's what they're really saying. Right. But they won't say that. Surgeon General Mercy's message was given to social media platforms, both publicly and privately. Isn't that interesting? I wonder what they did publicly? Yeah. Uh, I mean, how many times have you seen, you know, ads the vaccine was safe and effective? How many, of had, how many times have you seen PSAs other than ours that the vaccine is not safe and effective? Well, let me play you ours. So this is something you'll never hear on, on national media. But uh, we made it. And there's a couple of things wrong. Dr. Judy Mikeovitz pointed out to me that there is help now for those that have been vaccine injured. Uh, there are ways to remove blood clots. There are there things you can do. You can use various products to get this uh, spike proteins down, boost your immune system and other stuff. But for a long time, I made this two years ago, three years ago. Let's look it up. Well, actually, let me look it up right now. I wonder how old this one is. So the way I find it, hopefully this isn't going to screw up my show. Um is I'm just gonna look up PSA. It should have a date on it when I did it. Do 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 no actually it doesn't. Look at the the music section where I put all my stuff. I'll check it out later. Alright, let me let me get rid of that just so I don't screw up my show. I don't do too much memory for my computer, it gets upset. Anyway, it's been at least a couple of years. So let me play what it used to like um before the COVID vaccine came out. This is Greg Pengliss for Action Radio. You've all heard those ads for people who have suffered medical or health tragedies, which say you may be entitled to compensation. But if you have suffered injuries or crippling diseases or medical procedures that went horribly wrong, it's not the compensation you need, it's the knowledge you should have had before the condition you suffer from now. So that you are never in that position in the future, I strongly recommend that you do not get any COVID vaccines. Get informed. Do your own research. For 99.97% of Americans, your natural immunity will give you, at worst, only moderate symptoms of COVID. If you've already had COVID, it's virtually impossible to get it again. There are effective cures for COVID, which will get you completely over the virus. There is no cure for the COVID-19 vaccines. Once you start down the road of DNA modification, there is no going back. So I used to broadcast that quite a bit. now uh, of it has changed as I got new information, so I always have to correct. Uh, I don't want to ever be accused of misinformation. I, mean, I always want to have the truth going out. Uh, there are things you can do for the COVID uh, uh, vaccine. There are ways you can minimize the effects of it. I don't know if you can ever truly you know, make it completely go away, but you can certainly you know, greatly reduce the effect. Uh, I don't know if it's impossible to get COVID again after you've had it. I know it's very possible after you've had the, the COVID shots to get it again, because most of the people who get COVID now are people that got, uh, got the jab. Uh, that is known. Um, so, but I, just as my own personal example, I had COVID early January, 2020. You know, had a really bad cough for a couple of weeks, uh, tried to work through it, didn't work, got a couple of days rest. I was fine. You know, a couple of days after that, you know, I was I was heading back to normal. I had about three days, so two days of rest and about three days of uh, kind of taking it easy. I was fine, no medicine, no nothing. Eventually, I learned about quercetin, and other uh, you know things that you could take. But uh, basically, I got over it before I knew what it was. I didn't know what COVID was. By by the time I'd gotten over it and was immune to it. Um, I, I discovered later, the end of January, oh, I guess that was COVID. <laughs> anyway, uh, but because of that, I, I realized that I already had it and I know that once you have something, you're immune. That's how immunity works, right? And so I didn't never even thought about wearing a mask. I never thought about not going in public. I never thought about six foot distance. I never thought about any of that stuff. I didn't care because I already had it, right? And once you know that uh, and you know basically how diseases work, when that propaganda comes out about six feet and, and uh, you know protecting others, you know what I wish I'd done now is uh, I'd had one of those, uh, you know, seatbelts that people were wearing. And they're actually wearing a seatbelt. They're walking around town wearing a seatbelt, right? You said you attach belts and they clip it on, you know, like a belt on a shoulder harness, right? So you clip it on. And, and you know, people were like, well, why are you wearing that seatbelt? Well, I'm doing it for your protection. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. So what does, that, what does that have to do with the thing? Well, I mean, why would you take a vaccine for my protection? Because, you know, it, it, unless you're sharing blood, you know, you know, vaccines stay with the person that gets it. And unfortunately, the damage does, so the rest of us, well, except for shedding, but that's another story. Anyway, there's a lot to it. So let me take another break now, uh, seeing as we've conveniently um, played that. And let's get a couple more things for you guys here. I'm going to play a couple times on it. And uh, CJ should be here in about 45 minutes, which would be good. So then I don't have to keep doing what I'm doing. All right, back in a bit. Do you know your way around health care, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. And if you want to become a sponsor, this is how you do it. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60-second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener, and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio, using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. Dangerously cool. See all the fun we have around here. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, Marco hasn't checked in. No calls, no nothing. It's kind of interesting. So either I'm completely broadcasting, uh, everything's going fine, or nothing's working. <laughs> I haven't quite, haven't quite decided yet. All right, let's get to the next set of defendants here in our, uh, in our uh, case here of uh, Terry Dottie, uh, the judge that uh, just slammed uh, the the Brandon insurrection for illegally. Uh, not only violating the First Amendment, but uh, turning a bunch of companies uh, into uh, state actors and forcing them to do the government's will to censor things the government doesn't want out there. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the First Amendment, to ensure that this doesn't happen. And if it does, then we need to have uh, the First Amendment, uh, we need to have the courts do something about it. So this is a perfectly valid um, use of, of the judiciary, not just because you know, I agree with it, which I do, but because he's doing it within the Constitution. He's not, he's not interpreting the Constitution. There's no place where he says, I think the Constitution means this. That doesn't happen anywhere that I've read so far. and I don't think it's going to happen as I go through it. He's quoted the First Amendment verbatim. He's used the First Amendment. He's explained the First Amendment. He's talked about the defendants. He's talked about the plaintiffs. He's doing everything right. Okay. So this is where the judiciary is doing its proper thing. So this memorandum, you know, blocking uh, the government from acting illegally is the right thing to do It is a check and balance on the system. But this is a case that arises under the Constitution, obviously the First Amendment. It is a case in law and equity, case in both, actually. It's a case in law because it's a violation of rights and it's a case in equity because a lot of us can't make money. You know, this is why I ask for sponsors. This is why I'm having trouble finding sponsors because I don't have anywhere near the reach. So this has affected me, you know, both in law, my free speech rights, and in equity, the money that I didn't make because I couldn't get out there because I've been suppressed on social media. So I understand exactly how this works. But it is fully, fully justifiable under Article 3, under the federal court system of what they can and can't do. So Congress created the courts, which is allowed under the Constitution, the inferior court. They created the district courts. This judge is following the Constitution. This judge is following their oath of office. They are not interpreting the Constitution. They are not making stuff up. They're not using judicial review to uh, uh, do anything other than stop the government from doing something illegal, which they can do. Now, if you start recommending a policy and saying the government can only do this, 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 and this, that's, that's, that would be beyond the scope of uh, Article 3 authority. He's not doing that. He's just saying the government cannot do. They cannot. Uh, they are blocked from contacting social media uh, for the purpose of uh, suppressing free speech. Pre-cut and drive. So that's the line, and that's the difference between a constitutional decision and one where usually leftist court just makes stuff, makes stuff up and and quote interprets. In other words, puts their own meaning to what they want the Constitution to say rather than what it does say. Because you don't have to interpret it. It's pretty straightforward. Section B, page twenty eight of the court decision. Surgeon General Defendants. I think I read that one already. I did read that one already. All right. So da-da-da. oh here we go. Number two. As at a July fifteenth, twenty twenty one joint press conference between Pesaki, or as they used to call her Saki and Murphy, the two made the comments mentioned previously, uh, which publicly called for the social media, quote, to do more to take action against misinformation uh, and super spreaders. Okay. I mean, do more. Okay. So the government has no business doing anything. And then, now the government is free to put out their position. They can do PSAs. They can put out their position, but we're just as free to criticize them and say, that's wrong. That's a bunch of BS. Don't listen to them. They're idiots. They've got an agenda. See, that's the difference. So I wouldn't stop the government from putting out information because sometimes they actually get it right, you know, and that, that's a good thing. You know, the weather service, when we have a hurricane coming, that's government information, and it's usually pretty good, okay? So, so that's a good example of government information. A bad example of, with government information is everything having to do with COVID because it was – I can't think of anything they said that was true. It's that bad. Anyway, so, uh, so, talking, so the government calling for more action to do more. Well, they can't, and this is what this, this case does. Anyways, Murphy was directed, directly involved in editing and approving the final work product for the July 15, 2021, Health Advisory on Misinformation. <laughs> I should read that. Waldo also admitted that Murphy uh, used his, quote, bully pulpit to talk about health misinformation and to put public pressure on social media platforms. In other words, okay, what we say, but nobody else. Great. And this is Waldo's initial rollout with Facebook was negatively affected because of the public attacks of the White House and Office of the Surgeon General towards Facebook for allowing misinformation to spread. Clegg off Facebook react, reached, out to, reached out to attempt to request de-escalation and working together instead of the public pressure. And I'm not sure who Clegg is. They haven't identified this person. I guess he did it earlier. Anyway, this is, this is getting um, a little off, a little, little detailed. Let's go to the next section, page 38. Let's go to the CDC defendants. <laughs> this, is, this is fun. Oh, God, these people, are, you know, and you wonder what, you know, like I say, I, I love karma, but it takes too long. CDC defendants Paige Crawford is the director of the for division of digital media within the CDC. Did you know the CDC had a division of digital media? I didn't. You know, in fact, there are so many offices. Didn't we just read the Declaration of Independence yesterday, uh, th- uh, Tuesday, where it says, and this is my probably my favorite line because it's so disgusting, but it's true. You know, he, in other words, uh, George III. But in this case, he, the federal government, has sent uh, officers, you know, into our uh where you know into our land and it was swarms of officers you know to uh, i forgot what the exact quote is basically you know um something rather than eat out our substance <laughs> that's the part i remember um so so it basically sent out swarms of officers to regulate our lives tell us what to do and take away our rights Here's another one. Crawford is the director for the Division of Digital Media within the CDC office of the Associate Director for Communications. Well, that's interesting. Her deposition was taken pursuant to preliminary injunction-related discovery here. CDC is a component of the Department of Health and Human Services. Well, actually, it's not. It's kind of an independent. It's not, it's not a regulatory agency. So they may be a component of Health and Human Services, but they have no regulatory power. Then it says HHS uh, Secretary uh, Javier Becerra, uh, did I Xavier before? I think it's Javier. Javier Becerra, uh, or maybe this is Xavier Becerra. I'll, I'm not good with names. Secretary of HSS, Crawford's division provides leadership for CDC's web presence, and Crawford, as director, determines strategy and objectives and oversees its general work. Crawford was the main point of contact for communications between the CDC and social media platforms. So in other words, the CDC, in issuing their, quote, guidelines, um, took away any information that went against their guidelines. Okay. Uh, the CDC guidelines were not mandatory, and yet even my own mayor and Milton here talk about following the chain of command, even though there isn't one. Fascinating. Then it says prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, Crawford only had limited contact with social media platforms. Psh, there's no reason to. But she began having regular contact post-pandemic beginning in February and March of 2020, which is exactly when we uh, started coming out against the whole COVID government response, February and March of 2020. Isn't that fascinating? Facebook emailed State Department officials February 6, 2020, uh, that it had taken proactive and, re- and reactive steps to control information and misinformation regarding COVID-19. February 6, 2020. February I mean, that's that's before even Gertz, uh, the, uh, the Washington Times, came out with the, the whole Wuhan lab thing. So February, do we even know about COVID then? I guess the travel ban from China was, was Trump put the travel ban on late January 2020. And by February 6th, the State Department already contacting um, social media. Fascinating. Oh, Facebook emailed State Department officials. That's probably over the travel ban. And it says the email was forwarded to Crawford, who re- re-forwarded her to her contacts on Facebook. Facebook proposed to Crawford that it would create a coronavirus page. Oh, that's interesting. That would give information from trusted sources, including the CDC. Well, we had a coronavirus page, too. Yeah, the, the Zelenko Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse. That was a- Paid by By several thousand people until it was disabled, would have had tens of thousands and probably hundreds of thousands, maybe millions if it had been allowed to go, well, this is called hundreds of thousands I guess I'm getting a little ambitious here. that would have been fine I could stand that be that be good then I would have had a real claim you know maybe I'd be a named person in this lawsuit if i didn't if I wasn't you know pre censored before I was censored um, by having my station sold. <laughs> I' went right, over that story. Uh, to, 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 all right, there's more to it there, but the CDC has a bunch of defendants. A lot of stuff here. All right, let's get down to the next one. To, uh, page 49, NIAID. Uh, here we go. The National In- the national Infectious... Uh, what is it? In- well, I'll, I'll, let me go page 38. The CDC, page 49 is NIAID. 49. This thing's is 155 pages long. No, we're not going to do it all today. NIAID defendants. The NIAID... Is a federal agency under HS, HHS. Do, they're calling him Fauci. Dr. Fascist <laughs> was previously the director of NIAID. Dr. Fauci's deposition was taken as a part of the limited preliminary injunction discovery in this matter. Anybody know that uh, Dr. Fauci was, uh, was, had a deposition in this case? I didn't. Just finding out now, right? This is Dr. Fauci, otherwise known as Dr. Fauci, has been the director of the NIAID, the National Institute for Something of Infectious Diseases. I forgot what the A stands for. For 38 years, and became chief medical advisor to the president in early 2021. As the worst thing that Trump ever did was letting Fauci have any power at all. That's where he screwed up. He should not have done that. Anyway, lab leak theory number one. Plaintiffs set forth arguments that became that because NIAID had funded gain of function research at uh, Dr. Fauci's direction at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the Wuhan lab in Wuhan, China, obviously. Dr. Fascist, which is what I'm calling him, you know the real name, but I'll just, it's more fun to say this. Dr. Fascist sought to suppress theories that the SARS-CoV-2 virus leaked from the Wuhan lab, even though we reported on our show February 25th of 2020 that the virus leaked from the Wuhan lab, and our source was Bill Gertz, uh, National Security Foreign Policy editor or uh, reporter at The Washington Times. Good source. I got it on, I got it on a recording. We got it on a podcast. Anybody want to check it? Go to our February 25th show. He had a bad cold. He only stayed half an hour of his hour, but he gave us enough for information. We're still using it today. Uh, thanks to uh, Dr. Peter Pride, who actually got us in touch with Bill Gertz, because I probably wouldn't have been able to reach him otherwise. Peter gave us a ton of amazing contacts that were on the show, including uh, Judge uh, McInerney, who told us how the election was stolen um, about two weeks after the election was stolen in 2020. You can go back to the check out that show too. Just look up, uh, if you want to see any of our shows, go to the top of the broadcast page and you put in uh, Action Radio, comma, the guest you want, General Thomas McInerney, Dr. Zelenko, any of these folks, and the shows will pop up. Uh, so that's how you find our folks. Plaintiffs alleged that Dr. Faschus' motive for suppressing the lab leak theory was a fear that Dr. Fascist and the NIAID could be blamed for funding gain-of-function research that created the COVID-19 pandemic. <laughs> yes, they did. Philatis alleged Dr. Faschus participated in a secret call with other scientists on February 1st, 2020, and convinced the scientists who were proponents of the lab leak theory to change their minds and advocate for the theory that the COVID-19 virus originated naturally, even though genetically that's impossible, right? Then it says a few days after the February 1st, 2020 call, a paper entitled The Proximal Origin of COVID-19 was published by by Nature Medicine on March 17th, 2020. Uh, The article concludes that SARS-CoV-2 was not created in a lab, but rather was naturally occurring. In what, bats and pangolins? (laughs) Right. On February 2nd, 2020, Dr. Fascist told the other scientists that given the concerns of so many people and the threat of further distortions of social media, it is essential that we move quickly. Hopefully we can get the WHO, that is the World Health Organization, to convene. Dr. Fascis emailed Dr. Tedros of the WHO and two senior WHO officials urging the WHO – I did do that just for fun – to quickly establish a working group to address the lab leak theory. Uh, well, it's not a theory. <laughs> it's pretty much – I'm pretty sure that's what happened. You know, why else would you uh, – if you can't do something in the United States at the North Carolina lab with, was it, Peter Barrick, and you got to move it offshore, you might as well go to the communist Chinese, right? That's, that's, uh, that's the friends of the U.S. government, you know, with all their counterparts. I wonder who Dr. Fash's counterpart is in uh, – in the, the PLA, the People's Liberation Army, uh, in China. And who's his counterpart at the Wuhan lab? There's got to be one. Anyway, Dr. Fascis uh, emailed Tedros, uh, da, 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 다, quickly established a working group to address the lab-like theory. Dr. Fascist stated they should appreciate the urgency and importance of this issue. So why was it so important for them not to uh, investigate the Wuhan lab? Why was it so important for us to think that the uh, virus didn't come from the Wuhan lab? Well, because that's where they did the gain of function. That's where, you know, Dr. Fascist illegally funded gain of function because he couldn't fund it here. Apparently, Obama actually outlawed gain of function research. Yeah. So so strangely enough, even the the, the worst of presidents like Obama, you know, did a couple of good things. I know. Hard to imagine, right? But he did. So got to give credit where credit's due. Dr. Fascist also stated who needed to get ahead of the narrative uh, of this uh, and not uh, reacting to reports, which could be very damaging. So they're always ahead. How How do they do that? So here we go. There's more. Oh, let's get, to, let's get this on Dazzle. This is interesting. This is numerous drafts of the proximal origin of COVID-19. That's their report. That's the false report, right? We're sent to Dr. Fascist to review prior to the article being published in Nature Magazine. So once again, the government's reviewing and censoring. This is what communist countries do, right? They review and censor before an article can appear uh, in public rather than in a free country where the article appears in public and then the government responds. That's how it's supposed to work. Number two. On February 9th, 2020, in a joint podcast with Dr. Peter Daszak of the EcoHealth Alliance, and he's a scumbag, both doctors, Fascist and Daszak, described the lab leak theory, calling it a conspiracy theory, or as we call it here, an ongoing investigation. Three authors of The Proximal Origins of SARS-CoV-2 Robert Gary, Christian Anderson, and Ian Lipkin received grants from the NIH in recent years. Well, of course, that's how you do it. So, so the way this works is the government pays people to say certain things. Well, why do you think uh, all the government scientists uh, say there's climate change when there isn't? Got an article here i will get to at some point that um, is really fascinating. Um, it's kind of funny, too, that the government um, – uh, there's been no climate change in the last 15 years. Temperature hasn't gone up a bit. And this, this British climate change scientist was paid to, to, uh, to suppress the fact that this climate hasn't gone up in temperature in 15 years. Interesting, huh? Anyway, this is after the proximal... This is number four. After the proximal origins of the SARS-CoV-2 was completed and published in Nature Medicine, Dr. Fascist began discrediting the lab lake theory. They're still discrediting it, but the funny part is it came back again three years later. Now, we already talked about it. I didn't talk about, a lot about it because it's already been done. Let's go to number two uh, in the defendants of the NIAIH, uh, NIAID. And then, of course, number two is titled Hydroxychloroquine. This is good fun. Plaintiffs further alleged the NIAID and the Department of HHS, that's Health and Human Services Defendants, suppressed speech on hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, I know. Remember my uh, uh, Dr. Zelenko Coronavirus Clearing, Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse? What do you think we talked about the most? Hydroxychloroquine. That's why, they just, that's why Facebook disabled my group. You know, this is exactly us. This is what we did, anyway. So, so they did suppress free speech, and this is a May. In fact, I'll bring that uh, as my evidence, you know, for my part in this uh, uh, in this lawsuit when I can do that. On May twentieth, twenty twenty, The Lancet published an online article entitled "Hydroxychloroquine or Chloroquine with or without a Macrolide." for treatment of COVID-19, a multinational registry analysis. I have no idea what it means. This says the article purported to analyze 96,032 patients uh, to compare persons who did and did not receive this treatment. The study concluded that hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine were associated with decreased in-hospital survival and an increased frequency of ventricular uh, arrhythmias when used for the treatment of COVID-19. Now, you know how they did that, right? They gave overdoses. <laughs> they gave enough uh, hydroxychloroquine to kill people. That's why they didn't work. Dr. Fashas publicly cited the study to claim that hydroxychloroquine is not, an effective, is not effective against coronavirus. Although he said the exact opposite in 2005. He said, yeah, hydroxychloroquine is really effective against coronavirus. <laughs> so, you know, don't bother with the details, right? The, article, the case says he then publicly began to discredit COVID-19 treatment with hydroxychloroquine and stated whether the treatment of COVID-19 by hydroxychloroquine was effective and could only be judged by rigorous, randomized, double-blind, placebo-based studies even though Dr. Zelenko had cured a whole bunch of people already with hydroxychloroquine, proving it works, right? That's not in the, that's not in the case. I'm just adding that in, right? Uh, he, that he testified, this is back to the case. He testified the same on July 31st, 2020, before the House Select Committee, uh, sub, Subcommittee on Coronavirus Crisis. <clears throat> it gets better. Number two, when America's frontline doctors, number two of number two, <laughs> when America's frontline doctors held a press conference criticizing the government's response to the COVID-19 pandemic, or should I say plandemic, and spouting the benefits of hydroxychloroquine in treating the coronavirus, Dr. Fascist made statements on Good Morning America and on the Andrea Mitchell reports, both liberal sources, that hydroxychloroquine is not effective in treating the coronavirus. Social media platforms censored the America's frontline doctors' videos. I know, because I tried to post them. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube removed the video. I know, I've got it on my computer somewhere. <laughs> Dr. Fascist does not deny he or his staff at NIAID may have communicated with social media platforms, but he's not specific, he does not specifically recall it. Yeah, because he's old, right? He doesn't remember exactly all the treasons that he's committed, all the people he's killed. He doesn't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like I told you, you've got to wear a mask. You know, and if you, you need like maybe two or maybe three of them. Yeah, you should get a, a, a coronavirus vaccine and then a booster. And then don't forget the reboosters and then the additional booster boosters. Yeah, that's what you want to do because uh, I said so, and I am science. If you follow me and walk with me, I will walk you through science because I am science. Yeah. It's my best Dr. Fascist. Okay. Anyway, the problem is that uh, this is even worse because as we have stated on the show many, many times, the reason they had to make hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin discredited and illegal and not give it the emergency use authorization um, is because they were FDA-approved, long-standing safety records, and were completely effective against COVID. Well, if we have a approved drug, inexpensive, non-patented anymore, that works, that coronavirus, then they would never get their emergency use, use authorization for vaccines, which were experimental, untested, because the law specifically states you cannot use an experimental drug when another drug already approved exists. So here's the real crime. In order to get the emergency use authorization for an experimental messenger RNA COVID jab, they had to make the legal drugs illegal so they could make their illegal drug legal. Let me state that again. This is critical. 8.25 a.m. I'm going to put uh, big stars here. Big star. You know, I'll put the key. This am going to put a separate thing on my notes. This is the key. This is the key to the whole thing. The COVID pandemic was all about marketing, distributing, and making billions of profits off a messenger RNA vaccine that would do many things. Depopulate, spread the disease, create the, uh, the mutations. It would do all these kinds of things. We don't even know how many things it was designed to do because nobody knows really what's all in it. Why they haven't analyzed it in a lab, I don't know. But we've got graphene oxide, we have got all kinds of other things in it. Aluminum, you know, you name it. It's there. Anyway, so let me just state this again for the record. What the real crime was, besides the suppression of information, that is a real crime too. But the real crime, the insidious crime, the reason we know this is all planned out is because they created a virus that they knew could be killed by hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, zinc, vitamin D three, vitamin C and prevent pneumonia with azithromycin, the Zelenko protocol. They knew ahead of time that that was the cure for COVID. And that because we had cures for COVID, now they say treatments in the medical journal. I'm not a doctor, so I can say cure. Because we had the cure to COVID, we knew what it was because of all the people that had been saved by the Zelenko protocol before all these mandates and things came in, before the emergency use authorization. We knew the cure. Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were the cure. But in order to get the emergency use authorization for their experimental drug, they had to remove the drugs from the market that were already approved and worked. So that's how they did it. They took the legal cures. (laughs) They took the cures that were already approved, the legal cures, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, and made them illegal so they could take their illegal experimental vaccine and make it legal and get an emergency use authorization. That's it. That's the whole key right there. That is the pandemic. All right. Number three, Great Barrington Declaration. The GBD was published on October 4th, 2020. Uh, I wonder why that's significant because this is the, uh, trying to think, event 201 was the year before that. All right. So the GBD was published by Plan- Dr. Bhattacharya of Stanford and Dr. Kulldorf of Harvard. This is, I, didn't go, I went to the University of Massachusetts. This is why nobody ever quotes me, right? Then it says, along with Dr. Gupta, of Oxford. The GDB is a one-page treatise opposing reliance on lockdowns and advocating for an approach to COVID-19 called Focus Protection. It criticized the social distancing and lockdown approaches endorsed by government experts. The authors expect, gra- expressed grave concerns about physical and mental health impacts of current cover- government COVID-19 lockdown policies and call for an end to lockdowns. Yeah, we did too, because they don't work. Well, the, the reason we call for an end to lockdowns is because constitutionally you can't do it. You can't lock down healthy people. The only people that the CDC has any jurisdiction over or the government has any jurisdiction over are people who are sick with a dangerous communicable disease who are expressing symptoms of it. You cannot quarantine the healthy people. And as as, uh, Mike Huckabee said last night, and we've said since the beginning, this is the first pandemic in history where they took all the rights away and quarantined the healthy people of, of the United States. That's illegal. That's another big crime. So we've got three crimes here. We've got the suppression of information. We've got the making of the cures illegal so they can make their illegal treatment legal. And we've got the lockdowns, which are completely unconstitutional. So the crimes just keep mounting up, and we'll see how it goes. Anyway, uh, anyway so October 8th, 2020, Dr. Francis Collins emailed Dr. Fascist and Cliff Lane stating, Hi, Tony and Cliff. See, it's the... GBddeclaration.org. In other words, that's a great bearing to declaration. This proposal from the three fringe epidemiologists in other words, the people telling the truth, who met with the secretary seems to be getting a lot of attention. Yeah, it was. We put it all over Facebook as soon as I heard about it, right? Then it says, and even a co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt at Stanford oh, can not have that? <laughs> he says, there needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. Doesn't mean they were wrong. It just means they have to take them down. I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway? Francis. So let me say this again. Dr. Francis Collins emailed Dr. Fascist and Cliff Lane stating, Hi, Tony and Cliff. This proposal, the Great Barrington Declaration, from the three fringe epidemiologists who met with the secretary seems to be getting a lot of attention and even a co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt. Here's the key part. There needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises, I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway? So in other words, I'm ordering you to order social media to take down the Great Barrington Declaration. That's what she said. Case says, the same day Dr. Fascis wrote back uh, to Dr. Collins stating, Francis, I am pasting it below a piece from Wired that debunks this theory. Best. Tony. So pick up the emails. This is what makes this such a great case. Hope you're not bored by this. I mean, I really do. I mean, I know it's long. I know it's tedious. I know that uh, court cases are not the most, you know, important thing you want to hear. You want to laugh. You want to take it easy. You want, you know, your beer and football. This is too important. This is why I do it. Maybe I won't do it tomorrow. We'll see. This is Dr. Fad. Oh, I call him Dr. Fascist. And Dr. Collins followed up with a series of public media statements attacking the Great Barrington Declaration. In a Washington Post story run October 14th, 2020, this is right before the, the, the jabs came out, right? Dr. Collins described the Great Barrington Declaration and its authors as, quote, fringe and, quote, dangerous. Dr. Fascist consulted with Dr. Collins before he talked to the Washington Post. Dr. Fascist also endorsed these comments in an email to Dr. Collins stating, what you said was entirely correct. And it goes on and on and on. Fauci called the Great Barrington Declaration nonsense and dangerous. Why? Because it got in the way of their um, lockdowns and mandates, which were designed, as I've said before, those were designed to prevent COVID. Okay, So they knew that the uh, their illegal jab was coming out December 2020. They knew that um, people were getting immune to it. That From the CDC chart I post on every single show, look at that CDC graph, that the COVID deaths pretty much ended in July of 2020. So they needed something to, to save and preserve COVID from July of 2020 until December of 2020 when their illegal jab came out. Well, how did they do that? Lockdowns, masks terror, stay at home, close down businesses, close down everything, create a mass psychosis, okay? So the mass psychosis, the the primary effect of a mass psychosis is it puts stress on you. And the primary effect of stress is lowering your immune system. So they knew that by totally stressing out the population of the United States, they could preserve the COVID virus instead of, as Dr. Bhattacharya recommended, that as many healthy people get it as possible, get over it, build herd immunity, and then it has nowhere to go. So the whole point, and that's, when they, they, that's why in July of 2020, after COVID was basically over, they started lying. They started publishing cases instead of deaths. Uh, they started fudging the data. They started calling everything, every death a COVID death, motorcycle accidents, you know, suicides, um, you know, cancer, heart disease, everything was a COVID death. Why? Because they wanted to make it look as evil as possible and as bad as possible to create as much fear as possible to preserve COVID as long as possible until their jab came out. And once the jab came out, of course, it was easy to spread COVID because that's what the jab does. That's where we are. It's really quite fascinating. Uh, but that's the situation. And so uh, let me see here. Okay, there we go. So there's more to it. I'm kind of tired of reading. <laughs> I'm good for an hour and a half. And that's it. Um, and so uh, it'll be much more fun to talk to CJ as we get going here. Uh, anyway, so what, am I, what page am I on here? So let's put a note here, page 55. Let's see what's next in our, on our hit parade. Uh, let me take a break. Uh, and then I'll come back. Uh, CJ will be joining us in just a little bit, but I need to take one more break. 8.33. 833 break. They come more often after I read a lot like this. So let me just uh, do this, do this, and play the last of our commercials, and then come right back. And, uh, and let's have some fun. So let's play maybe a funny piece. Uh, got that, got that, got that. Let's do this one. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. Uh, this is what happens when I try and uh, rearrange my articles and things like that during a quick break. Uh, let me play you something. What else can I play here? Let me get my my Milton uh, promo here. This will take a couple of minutes and I'll tell you about my town. So if you want to come down here? This is a great place. But uh, we're gonna to have to manage our growth too. But let me play this for you, and I'll be right back. This is Greg Pangloss, creator of Action Radio for my town milton florida milton it's where i live it's where you can live too it's where you can bring a new business especially a business that helps our downtown historic district we have everything in milton we have the blackwater river we have the imogene theater built in 1912 and still booking national acts we have scoops ice cream we have boomerangs restaurant where i get my favorite thai chicken pizza We have an outdoor stage for music acts and free concerts by the river. The Blackwater Bistro will keep you in steak and seafood indefinitely. We have brew pubs creating great craft beers and giving us all a place to relax and talk. But it's more than just stuff and food and buildings. It's people. Remember the show Cheers where everybody knows your name? It's that kind of place. So if you are tired of the cities, of the traffic, the frenetic pace of life that doesn't seem to get you anywhere... If you want a small city that has incredible potential that combines the best of historic buildings and modern, fun, small retail shops and restaurants, and a great waterfront, plus who knows what for the future, take a look at historic Milton, Florida, in the Panhandle, near Pensacola, and the world's greatest beaches on the Emerald Coast of the Gulf of Mexico. Milton is going through a renaissance. Maybe you can be part of making it happen. Yeah, it's interesting as I thought about this that uh, we definitely need new businesses here, but there's a bunch of people flooding here and uh, a lot of our landscape is being torn up and developed and it's going to cause flooding and other problems and the infrastructure uh, can't handle it. So we need businesses, but we've got enough people. (laughs) We've got plenty of people here. You know, unless you want to move up to Jay uh, and get on a cotton or a peanut farm or something like that, and um, move up in the, the more rural parts of the county. So we got plenty of uh, plenty of people, but uh, we definitely need new businesses here in Milton, uh, and it will be just an amazing place. All right, let's get uh, let's get back to news. Okay, we're back, and I'm going to go to articles now because I've stopped the case at page 55, and this, this, that's about a third of the way through. Do you, do you believe how much information is in that, how much is not being reported? Um, so I've got a couple, I actually have four articles here on on the case itself, so I'm going to start going through these. CJ is going to join us at any time. Not sure when, but uh, could be any time soon here. And so when she joins, we'll, we'll switch over to her and we'll chat, which should be fun. Anyway, here's an article from Zero Hedge from Tyler Durden. And as you know, that's the character from Fight Club with a picture of uh, uh, Brad Pitt there in, in a little white cartoon form. Anyway, title of the article, Orwellian Ministry of Truth Busted Judge Bars Biden Officials' Agencies from Contacting Social Media Companies. So the reason I want to go over the articles is you kind of lose sight of what it's about when we get all the detail, the minutiae of the actual order of the judge itself or himself. So it says, in an order fittingly issued on Independence Day, that's when they did it, right. A federal judge in Louisiana has forbidden multiple federal agencies and named officials from having any contact with social media companies with the intent to moderate content. The preliminary injunction arises from a suit filed by the states of Missouri and Louisiana, along with individuals that include two leading critics of the COVID-19 lockdown regime, Harvard's Martin uh, Dorf, and Stanford's Jay Bhattacharya and Jim Hoft, who owns the right-wing website, Getway Pundit. What makes it makes a right-wing website? It's just a reporting site. I don't know why they call it the right-wing website. How come they don't say that? Well, I guess we say the left-wing MSNBC and the uh, the communist CNN. So that's probably appropriate. Quote, if the allegations made by the plaintiffs are true, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in the United States history. Uh, in the United States history. And that's uh, U.S. District Judge Terry A. Dottie, who is the D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. He said, again, the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits in establishing that the government has used its power to silence the opposition. Yep, I think I went over that in the beginning. Anyway, so we got tr- tweets from Jay Bhattacharya, uh, who said it is entirely appropriate that the judge in Missouri v. Biden issued an injunction against the Biden, well, what's called the Brandon administration, uh, the Brandon insurrection, Ministry of Truth on July 4th. He says Ministry of Truth. The capacity of the American experiment to renew itself will never stop astonishing me. Happy Independence Day. Yeah, in fact, that this came out on July 4th. I had missed that. So uh, that's good. Anyway, it says the dozens of people and agencies bound by the injunction, including President Biden, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, the Food and Drug Administration, Centers for Disease Control, the Treasury Department, the State Department, <clears throat> the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, the FBI, and the entire Justice Department, and the Department of Health and Human Services. Those are the defendants. Okay, now, obviously, I haven't gotten to all those yet. I'm only a third of the way into the case. We'll get to them. Probably over the next day, day or two or probably even Monday if I have to. <clears throat> Depends how much time I have. Then it says, Bhattacharya and Kuldorf who are among the originators of the Great Barrington Declaration, which we've just gone over in, in detail, that denounced the lockdown regime have been victims of social media censorship. For example, the pair says their censorship-triggering statements include assertions that, quote, thinking everyone must be vaccinated is scientifically flawed. Well, especially when you have herd immunity. Everybody needs to be herd immune. That's, what, that's the much better solution than some experimental thing. Then it says questioning the value of masks and stating the natural, that natural immunity is stronger than, the vaccine, than vaccine immunity. Well, it is. Then it says, while the case is dominated by COVID-19 censorship, it also encompasses the Justice Department's efforts to suppress reporting about Hunter Biden's laptop from hell <laughs> in the run-up to the 2020 election. We'll get to that probably tomorrow or Monday. Dottie gave uh, a credence to that uh, accusation. The injunction represents a major validation of the accusations that government officials have colluded with social media platforms to suppress speech that counters official narratives with the restraints falling almost exclusively on conservative viewpoints. Yeah, that'd be me. <laughs> the evidence thus far depicts almost dystopian, uh, an almost dystopian, dystopian scenario, and as uh, Doughty wrote this in his 155-page ruling, which you can click on from this article, by the way. He says, during the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian Ministry of Truth. Ain't that the truth? He says, the White House defendants made it clear, very clear to social media companies, what they wanted suppressed and what they wanted amplified. And that's, uh, again, from the opinion. Faced with unrelenting pressure from the most powerful office in the world, the social media companies apparently complied. Well, see, I think they willingly complied. I think they were in on it. I think they, they've gotten paid. They've gotten access. They got what they want from government. They're now favored by government. They're the chosen ones, and they can do whatever they want. I, think they, I don't think they, that uh, they weren't... Uh, They weren't forced to do this at all. I think they willingly went along with it. You didn't hear them complaining. I mean, if social media companies got on social media and said, the government is trying to tell us what to say, they didn't do that. That's why I think they were all willing participants in this. Then it says, Doughty quoted uh, communications from administration officials to social media company employees, saying they represent examples of coercion, or as I call it, extortion, exercised by the White House defendants. Small sampling. All right, so here we go. This, some, uh, now, these little statements are, are key, but I've already gone over them in the court case, so you know where they came from. Here's one of the statements. Cannot stress to the degree to which this needs to be resolved immediately. Please remove this account immediately. Well, that's pretty direct. To Facebook, are you guys effing serious? <laughs> he actually uses the real word, right? I want an answer on what happened here, and I want it today. Here's another one. This is a concern that is shared at the highest, lo- highest and I mean highest, levels of the White House. Well, that would be Obama. <laughs> then it says, "Hey, folks, wanted to flag the below tweet, and I'm wondering if we can get moving on the process of having it removed ASAP." That'd be the one I just read. That'd be Dr. Collins to Dr. Fascist and uh, Cliff. What's his name? Up oh, there's uh, there's CJ. Let me just uh, get a little lost here. It says the judge noted that the ba- the badgering came simultaneous with threats of changing the social media regulation scheme, and that those threats had extra credibility since they came as the Democrats controlled the White House and Congress. Good place to stop. All these articles are on my Facebook pages. Uh, this one's in Zero Hedge. We've got other ones that I'll I'll, I'll double check. I'm, I'm pretty sure I post them all. If not, I'll make sure I do that. All right. So yeah. So let's. Whew, I can't believe I've been talking for an hour and forty five minutes. That's 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 got to be a record. I get nutritional uh, advice on on what uh, what one can do to keep their voice strong for a long time. All right, I don't have CJ's theme yet, so let me just play something uh, that I played Tuesday. Uh, a new recording, a nice little version of America Beautiful. It takes about a minute, and that'll get us uh, a breather where we can uh, change gears here. There we go. You know, it helps if I unmute myself. <laughs> Sorry. I thought the show wasn't broadcasting for some reason. Let me try that again. Hey, CJ, what's happening? What are you doing? How did you celebrate the 4th? Um, welcome to the show, and uh, it's time for me to take a break. How's that?
2: <laughs> You've been talking a lot, haven't
1: you? An hour and 45 minutes. I don't recommend it, <laughs> but somebody has to um, because I'm the only one here. So I took breaks. In fact, Marco's not even here to react to Bianchi didn't call in. I don't know what's going on. Everybody, I guess everybody's on holiday you know, for the rest of the week. But I'm here. But uh, at least I'm broadcasting. Yeah. Now I know I'm broadcasting, even though I uh, forgot to turn my mic back on. It's the first time I've forgotten to do that uh, the whole time because I've been on and off playing different stuff, going back and forth. And uh, again, you know, one should not. I don't know how Rush Limbaugh talked for all that time. Of course, he had news <laughs> breaks and commercials and all that kind of stuff. And he basically did a one-hour show three times. If you ever listen to a show, you listen to the first hour, second hour is the same, third hour is the same. So he only had to prep one hour a day. Lazy butt.
2: I, mean, that's an, I I I love listening to him, so.
1: Yeah. I did. So I what's did. the but, yeah? What's the force okay. mean to you?
2: I, well, my I didn't quite hear what you said, but our force has been very interesting to say
0: mm-hmm. to say the
2: least. You know, a little bit of issues going on in my neck of the woods. Um, mm-hmm. the past two, I can't remember when we were together. Uh, two weeks ago, I know right. we talked about. Some herbs and whatnot. Did we talk about castor oil?
1: Yeah, in great detail. Yeah, you can okay, remember my story I on the World did. War One pilots? You know how they had castor yeah, oil yeah, in the yeah. engine and it sprayed all over them. Yeah, they made them very regular yeah. after the flight. Yeah. <laughs> we did mm-hmm. that. Now I'm yeah. just curious.
2: Yeah, well, um, A little, and then we'll di- digress to another topic. But I just want to give you an example. So. Um, My, you know, I had told you my, my littlest puppy passed away unexpectedly, totally unexpectedly. Mm. And uh, I've been thinking about this and I don't want to blame myself, but I had taken her into the vet. I'm getting to a point of this coming back to castor oil here. So she was totally fine. She had this little growth on her back, which was not cancerous. And it was just like a large pimple, but because my dogs don't have fur, they have hair. She was a, a Morkie, half Maltese, half Yorkie. And mm-hmm. she was only literally like a right under two pounds, teeny wow. tiny little baby. And she was eight years old on her back, just kept getting bigger. And I was like, it just looks gross. It's just like it was scabby and hard, you know, that sort of thing, but not cancerous, right. not anything like that. So when I asked the vet, they said, well, you can get it removed. Because if you don't, it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. It's nothing that's going to hurt her. It's just going to be an eyesore, really. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you pet her, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I took her in, and they removed it. They did give her a hair of anesthesia. They tried to do it without anesthesia, and she did not cooperate. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Right, (laughs) right? Because I was like, well, I didn't want to put her under because I thought, well, can I just take, like, a little nail clipper and clip it off? And they're like, well, you can, but, you know, it's going to bleed. And, you know, if you don't want her to bleed to death, you, don't, you know, because she's going to have to have a, at least one stitch.
0: Right. And
2: so I was like, okay. So anyway, make a long story short without telling the whole story. I look back, why didn't I put castor oil on that? Hmm. Why, you know, so I've kind of been, that's what's been hard. I've kind of been blaming myself um, because she was fine when she went in, she came home, she was fine the day she came home, she was fine the day after. And then something I know it's like a mother's instinct when you know with your child, something happened. Again, I don't necessarily want to point a finger at a doctor, like they did something wrong, but she did not respond well to something. Because five days after she had that little bump removed, she passed away, like unexpectedly. Wow. I had a rush yeah. like, to the vet, and so, and and my ex husband said to me, he's like, "Well, why didn't you put castor oil on it?" And I was like, "I really don't need to hear this from you." I was like a total mess. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: But but I knew like so my point is I can't get her back. I can't do anything, but I should have tried that because I've done, I've used, you know, a castor oil for so many things on myself. In fact, last, you know, wrap and I put it like on a little bump or something and it really (laughs) does help, you know? So anyway, that, that was circling back to the castor oil, but our 4th of July was, was great. was, was calm believe it or not so but because i only have the one puppy now we were invited to some celebrations and i took my daughter but i stayed home with the other puppy because she's very sad that she doesn't have a sister now and she does freak out um i've tried cbd i've tried all the things and she still freak out freaks out over fireworks and thunder plus now she doesn't want to be by herself at all so I, i'm carrying mm-hmm. her around the house with me on my hips
1: so. <laughs> wow you're a Well, just one comment, you know, when you went to the vet, um, I think that as much nutritional knowledge as you have uh, and as much health knowledge as as people have just in their own, you know, learning, that we are conditioned that if there's a problem, we go to the doctor. And even before things we know that work, you know, and I think that's a natural tendency. So we almost have to, as, as individuals, stop a minute and go, is the doctor the best source of information? Is it the place I want to go or do you want their opinion first and then try something else? In other words, if it wasn't, uh, I'm not, not blame me. I'm, I'm not trying to do that, but I'm just, I'm just thinking you know, kind of out loud. If it's not a, a fatal condition, if it's not an immediate condition, an emergency condition, then you think to yourself, huh, well, let's get an opinion from the doctor. And the doctor said, okay, it's not, it's not life-threatening, you know, it's something. And then you sort of go, okay, well, in that case, let's think about, and I'm not, like I say, accusing you. I just Right. I think you, I think you thought you were doing the right thing, and you never want to, you know, get after somebody for thinking they're doing the right thing. But it's just I think it's a lot of conditioning that we go to the doctor yeah. first rather well, than rather than think for ourselves. Even though for for other people, or you'd happily prescribe castor oil for other people in the same situation, but for yourself, right? right. Well, the conditioning. Yeah. Point, you go to the doctor. Yeah.
2: Point, and I think I mentioned this before, and and you know mm-hmm. you're right. That's why I've had such a hard time with, with this because. You know, um,
1: you think you should have known better is what you're blaming yourself. I for. Know. Yeah, like, don't do
0: that. Yeah.
2: So, but, but here's the thing. And, and, and I agree with what you're saying. And I know what we said on the show last time, but even if you go, and I think I had mentioned this to a doctor or go get a test to see if you have an infection or whatever, right? Okay. So mm-hmm. you, you know, what's going on, like if you can't say self-diagnose or if you know you have arthritis or, you know, you have this, or, you know, you have that, right? Once you, you have to know what you're treating because even in the holistic world, you know, there are some things that you cannot combine. And again, because I'm not a naturopathic doctor, you know, I, I know a lot and I know a lot of what to do, but you have to be careful of what you mix with and what you don't mix with. Just like I take a shot of apple cider vinegar every, every morning later in the day, I'll do a, two or three pinches of cayenne pepper in some warm water. You don't want to mix the two, you know, and so, I think if you need to if, – if you can't self-diagnose, right, because so sometimes mm-hmm. that can be scary and you can misdiagnose your own self, right? So if you need to have that, quote, unquote, diagno, di, diagnosis, which I hate that word,
0: mm-hmm.
2: at, you know, and go to somebody that's qualified to do that or go to LabCorp and get your own labs or whatever, right? If you know what you're treating, then you can – choose to go to a holistic way or not mm-hmm. to treat whatever you think is is going on it's just like the hair tissue mineral test or any of the hormone tests sometimes mm-hmm. you have to test in order to find out what you need to treat and then you have the options right
0: so mm-hmm.
2: i don't know why i did not even think of like putting in, but but the problem is, and again, I really didn't want to go down this rabbit path, but I'm gonna just say, I know, I feel like when you go in, if you have to have a procedure, I mean, you know this because you've 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 been there, done that. I've I've been there, done that. Um, mm-hmm. When you go in to have a, a medical procedure, if you have to have an operation, or you have to have something where you're put under anesthesia, or you know, I don't even know. Sometimes if you go into the emergency room, but if you're having a procedure, they run lab work beforehand. And then they say, okay, we're good to go, or here's a concerning number, or these are your risks, do you still want to do it? Like that's part of the quote-unquote protocol, right? Mm-hmm. They they, right. Do, they do this, and then you make a decision from there. And you have everything laid out on the table. Well, when they um, t- took my little girl in for her surgery, I noticed on my bill, they did not run any labs beforehand. So there could have been, and so um, I'm in a dispute with them right now um, Mm -hmm. that that just should have been a part of the protocol. Because if for some reason she had something going on with her blood sugar, she had something going on with her kidneys that was too low, pretty healthy. I mean, she had had kidney issues, but she was two pounds, two pounds and eight, eight years old. But it doesn't matter. She could have been 50 pounds. You run lab work before you do something, especially before you put a human or a dog under. And Uh based on those labs, right, we go back to the diagnostic. If something was off, they would have said to me, hey, these are your risks. This is what's going on. Do you want to do it or do you not? Right. And so when I questioned that, it it wasn't on my bill, and they did not do lab work. So, therefore, could there have been something going on in her little body? Yes. But they didn't do the appropriate procedures to make the decision whether or not that surgery should have been done or not. So it was negligent on their part, is the way I see it. Because so she probably got less than because she's under anesthesia before. She had a shoulder surgery. She did fine. Right. She's had her teeth cleaned before. She's been fine. And this is a um, <laughs> this is a vet that I really like. They're they're a holistic vet. And so they're very, very conservative, um, which I like. Uh, however, that being said, they're in a very, very liberal area of the town, and many of them lean that way. I'm trying not to judge, but you know, it is, <laughs> it is what it is. I'm just making a statement. Yep. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter. So, you know, the thing is, if you need to do testing. Or something like that, do it, you know, do it and then you know what you're treating, and then you can decide, okay, here are some natural options, and then here are, you know we can try these first. if it doesn't work, we go to this or you know whatever you choose to do, I guess um, but
0: yeah,
2: I remember before heart surgery,
1: I was- say I remember before heart surgery, there was a ton of tests. Uh, the okay. test on my lung capacity tests, blood tests, tests on, uh, they did an angiogram, you know, did the, the whole viewing, uh, had this, this massive camera, you know, that they had to, uh, get down my throat to take pictures from the inside of the heart. That was the hardest part. Cause it was a big camera thing. And I, I, I'm the worst like gag reflex in the world. I can't even do x-rays on those butterfly film things. Um, so that actually, right. um, and, uh, and so just, but they did a whole battery of tests you know, just to make sure I was going to be okay for surgery. And, of course, I, you know, I was 57 at the time. I was in great shape, uh, in pretty good shape. Now, just a little bit of weight, more weight to lose. I'm, I'm getting back to intermittent fasting, which we should talk about sometime too, because that's wonderful. Um, but, uh, but it's almost like you have to be – I think of doctors as like people I, I consult with. So, in other words, they will tell yeah. me things, and I have, to, I have to put it through my own little filter. So, and, and the conditions are, uh, is this you know, a life-threatening emergency right now? is this urgent, but not, you know, I've got a little bit of time or is it something that, yeah, it's kind of there. Uh, it's, it's not, it's, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just kind of there. So you got time to even more time to think about it. So it's kind of like a triage. So you look at any condition yeah. and the, the hardest ones are the emergency life threatening right now, because you've got to make a decision right now with the minimum information, you just got to trust. So it's almost like the, the more right. immediate the emergency, the more you have to trust. Um, but even so, you know, and mine was not an immediate emergency. They said, but well, they did say I could be dead within five years. I had a one in 20 chance, which is pretty bad. <laughs> one in five, excuse me. One in five chance of being dead in, in five years. So a 20% chance. That's not good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's terrible odds, right? So I thought about that. Yeah. And I, hmm. Okay. You know, got four more opinions and they said, let's do it. You know, two weeks later, I'm on the table. Um, but that's that's how that works, and and so, but it's still a consultant thing. You know, most people get a second opinion. I got five. If I'm going to do this kind of surgery, the most invasive surgery I think there is, you know, in, the inside of right. your heart, trimming a valve. Right? That's that's not for for uh, right. that's for people that only do that surgery. I don't want you know that's the only thing they do. <laughs> you know, those are the people you want for that kind of right. thing. Um, but but it's a, I don't know how else you judge it other than you got to do a little triage and you got to do a consultant. How how urgent is this? And that goes. I'm not just talking about uh, you know your, your poor puppy, but anybody or anything, any family member, uh, right. your own personal, you know your your own your own health. How urgent is it? And how much time do you have to decide? Right. And then how much consulting can you do? So yeah, it's interesting.
2: Right, but um, so even as far as health goes, you know, I I I give my call my kids. <laughs> now I only have one little girl. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, besides my human girl. So I always said I had three kids, um, but now I have two. So um, I always give them, you know, natural, real stuff, too, uh-huh. you know? Um, so yeah. I encourage people to to do that, you know? And there are some foods and things that dogs can't have, but there's a lot that they can. And I know we have, like, a doggy warehouse that has, I mean, like, human food for them, you know? Uh-huh. And, like, and <laughs> it's funny the very first time I brought it home, my daughter's like, Mom, you're eating the dog biscuits. And I'm like, well, they're blueberries. And they have all this stuff. in the, And they look, they're Teddy grams. They're like the horrible Teddy grams in the grocery store. And they're organic uh-huh. and natural. You can buy them in blueberries. So I give the dogs one, and then I eat one. And then I give the dogs one, and then I eat one.
1: <laughs> well, this is an interesting question because, I mean, dogs are mammals. Cats are mammals. And you know, we're all, birds are a little different um but they're mammals too i guess because they're warm-blooded um but the question is are they close enough it's like remember the whole ivermectin thing well that's that's horse medicine well no it's not because horses are are mammals now the doses are different (laughs) because they weigh 2,000 pounds you know if you got a Clydesdale or something like that you know and humans are are, you know 150 to 200 usually on average you know and so it's a whole different thing so the doses are different but the medicine's not that different so how much crossover is there I mean, is, are there things in dog food that people cannot eat? I mean, I wouldn't want to eat dog food just because I know they don't process it as well. Because it's dogs, they don't care, right? You get hoofs, tails. Well, that's nose, not
2: something. not like food that you yeah. buy like at a regular grocery or puppy towel. I mean, something like that. I'm just saying that, yeah. like, I make I, I make my girls. It's a little meatloaf, and I mean, you know, I'm a vegetarian. I don't I don't eat meatloaf, but I've I you know, and I learned that from actually one of my um, one of my girlfriends who has. Five chihuahuas, and oh, they make wow. food. They make the fresh food, and then freeze part of it and, and whatnot. And I just use, you know, a, a quality ground beef. I put in some carrots and peas, and mm-hmm. I put in some um, puppy glucosamine that's um, bacon flavored, you know, and some some green powder, you know, some supplements in there, mm-hmm. and I bake it in a square, and then give them little little squares. So, I mean. I think, you know, pet health is really, really important to take care of your, your babies,
1: you know? Well, that's interesting. So, you know, I, I see different recommendations for pet foods and I, I haven't had, you know, a dog since I was a kid. My parents got one. Uh, I kept birds for a while. Um, mostly again, when I was growing up, um, but later a little bit as well, but, um, it, it you wonder how much, and we, we but the birds pretty much everything you know, especially in the hops, You know, they 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 like pasta. <laughs> you know, birds like a lot of things. You know, birds like meatloaf too. It's kind of weird, but so there's not a lot they can't eat. Um, I think with dogs and birds, you know, avocados and chocolate are both really bad. I think avocados for dogs, especially, and chocolate for birds. Uh, any other any other you know don'ts? You know, and in other words, the things that are bad for them are they also like avocados are really good for us, but they're terrible for dogs. What's so different about their right. their, their system compared to our system? I mean, how are we evolutionarily different?
2: Yeah, I, I've never researched that, you know. And those two, you're definitely correct on, you know, because it's like for me, and, and I I don't have a list because I've never looked it up. But okay. But well, make a I note.
1: A list, so make a note for next time. <laughs> Just curious, yeah.
2: I know what they can have, and so mm-hmm. I stick to the basics, you know. I stick to the basics because they they like it, and now I give I do give them. I give them salmon. I give them shrimp. You know, most vegetables are okay for them. Mm-hmm. You know, but I really like, to like peas and carrots, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I just said almost like minding your peas and cubes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's that. that <laughs> I forgot where that came from, but that is an expression. Oh, it's pints and quarts. That's where that came from.
2: Pints and quarts. So have...
1: pints and quarts. Yeah. So that's the difference. So it's like a like beer. You know, you don't want to have. Uh, you know a quart when you should have a pint (laughs) you know pints a lot too if you had a pint of beer yeah
2: oh my gosh so um
1: that's where that that comes from i don't know how i know that you know weird things
0: yeah
2: and there's this great um i can recommend this to your um your listeners Mm is there's this great book and it was recommended to me and it's called the forever dog Mm. the forever dog and it's um it's all about keeping your dogs younger, healthier and living longer from natural means. So like I don't even I don't use heartworm prevention. I don't use tick stuff. And I mean, I have a pretty big yard and I have a and I make mm-hmm. my own um spray for mm. for them in the little spray bottles I think I got on on Amazon, you know, and right. you put apple uh, now, all the ingredients specifically I have to look in the book, but I know there's apple cider vinegar there, there's water in there, there's eucalyptus oil in there, um, and one other thing, that's it. And I made it in a big jug and then I just pour it into the little spray bottles and I spray them, spray them down with it, you know, into their, into their coat. So there's mm-hmm. so many things, you know, that you can do for pets just as well as for humans.
0: Yeah, that's not
1: funny, But evolutionarily, uh, so would would uh, dogs and cats? Would they be considered primarily carnivores, as opposed to you being a vegetarian?
2: My educated guess is yes.
1: Okay, because the dog food all looks like meat. So, so how? So their system being geared for meat. You know, you know, lions, cougars, you know, all the big cats. You know, all the all the various predators, wolves. You know, out there. So their systems designed for meat. So that's quick digestion. You know, and uh, so if they're primarily designed for that, then, then how would vegetables help them? If they're not omnivores, if they're carnivores, then are vegetables a good thing?
2: Well, I know they're not harmful to them. And I know, okay. you know, that it give them, you know, some other nutrients, you know, kind of mm-hmm. just like that. But, and, and, you know, when they, don't, when they don't feel well, I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever seen this with an animal. But they'll eat grass, and they normally don't, like don't eat grass. At least I've seen mine do that, like if they have an upset stomach or something. I've heard this from a lot
1: of people. Yep, they all eat grass.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: It's roughage. Definitely. It allows them it's, – it's fiber. They they instinctively know they need fiber, which is fascinating. Because right. meat, right. meat doesn't really have any fiber, does it? No. They'll
2: eat huh. it. They'll eat the But I've noticed that mine throw it up like three hours later or something. Well, maybe that's you know, what it it's designed
1: to do. Maybe that's how they clean out the system.
2: Maybe. Yeah. Maybe.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, cats cough so... up a hairball <laughs> every so often.
2: Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? So I guess, Sounds you know, really got horrible, to though, too.
0: too.
2: a yeah. too. You know, so yeah. this whole thing yeah. came about from the unexpected loss of my little, my little girl, which I'm in a battle for right now, but, you know. I am yeah. like, what, what good is it bringer her back, right? He said, he said I did not have an autopsy.
0: No.
1: Like that. And unfortunately, this is unresolvable the, because because you, you can't. You're not going to be able to change the outcome no matter how much you hash over the process. The only thing you can do is is think for next time, was I conditioned? Did I do a conditioned response when I could have taken more time? And so you learn from it for, for next time. That's all you exactly. can do. But uh, now that you've got to be talking about pets, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because this is interesting. You know, I'm thinking evolution. Well, uh, you look at the structure of, of dogs and cats. Um, do they have, now omnivores have longer intestines, longer, small intestines. And that's where most digestion takes place, right? Small intestine?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's big, it's long, it's coiled. You know, that's where the nutrients are, are across the, the, and actually it's only, if I remember reading something about that, uh, it's, it's only one cell thick. So your intestines, that's how uh, food's able to transfer into your bloodstream. It's a very thin membrane. And if you have leaky gut syndrome, that's where you have too many lectins that make holes in your small intestine. And more stuff gets out that shouldn't get out. <laughs> I think that's how that works. Right, right. But, uh, but do, do dogs and cats have a much shorter small intestine because they're carnivores?
2: Good question. I, I've never researched this
1: topic. Okay. Well, you know me. I always ask the questions no one's ever thought of. But That's, that's, that's kind of my job around here.
0: <laughs>
2: but look it, it seems look, to reason right?
1: look up. yeah well feel free because yeah. I know we say that about uh, uh, the big cats you know and, and I remember seeing like nature specials. you know they, they don't have a, carnivores generally have a much shorter intestine system so the food's not with them that long that's how the meat doesn't spoil in their system because it's not there that long whereas cows they got four stomachs They, they that stuff's fermenting in there <laughs> I don't know what it's doing yeah. but grass ah. is going through yeah. a, a long process right Right. What'd you find out?
2: Right. Let me see. I'm just trying to pull. I just put in dog intestines, intestines.
0: Yeah. Dog intestines. Yeah.
2: Ah, uh, stomach intestines are common. I was just talking about things that can go wrong in infection and intestines.
1: Uh, well, here's one. How? Just put in how long is a dog's intestines compared to humans? I mean, that that might be. Just ask uh, that question. Yeah. Let's see what you
2: all uh,
1: let's see. Oh. Another spontaneous product, topic brought to you by Action Radio. I,
2: right?
1: I <laughs> uh, need like the I Jeopardy theme. Doo do, 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 I, I do, like do. do, 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 actually let me play something while you're, while you're looking up stuff. This is uh, about 17 seconds worth of uh fun and amusement. Let's see if I can find it here. Do, do,
0: do, 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 do. All
2: right. Ah. What, oh, you got it? A healthy digestive system, such a digestive system of foods, there's a gel salt digestive tax. isn't the most glamorous topic, but I understand how it works. There are seven mm-hmm. uh, there are seven facts about your dog's gastro health. Like heartburn, yeah. I've been, I how long is it? Uh, 28% that occupies about 25% of the total gastro volume, which is consistent mm-hmm. with other omnivores, including people.
0: Uh, oh. Small
2: intestine, cat, a chew carnivore occupies fifteen percent. Um. Uh, uh, transit time is six to eight hours for dogs, while in people it's twenty to thirty hours.
1: What's that mean? That's that's an interesting concept. I think. What is that?
2: Um. I guess that's the process that it takes in your gut. So, like when I talk to people about meat, I'm like, when you eat meat, if you mm-hmm. did a search of what meat, meat sits in your gut and rots. It takes forever, um, like beef and poultry, it takes forever to digest and break down. So I think that's the the breakdown process. People, it's between 20 to 30 hours. So to take from, go from one intestinal to another and to break down, whereas for dogs, it's six to eight hours. So, you know, it's got to move through the intestines and then the whole canal, and it also has to break down. So the breakdown process, is is interesting as well but i don't they don't give <laughs> um I'm, I'm looking they don't i don't have not seen like a, uh how long and i put that question in here so
1: the percentage of your body is uh, is interesting so 25 percent for omnivores um how about um so what percent of the digestive system for herbivores like cows
2: All right. Oh. We're just going to be... What did you say? How...
1: So so what percent what of the... Now, is it said how much of the small intestine? What percent of the small intestine is part of the digestion? What was the exact question you asked? Because this is getting interesting.
2: Well, you had asked about how long the... the right. ...the intestine. So I just switched now to to cows to see. Understanding cows are just... Understanding the... Huh. The cows... Hmm. And we never got the answer. It just said how long it took versus humans.
1: Okay, you know? so how long is different. So if a cow has four stomachs, it doesn't even get to the intestines until it's gone through four stomachs.
2: Right, which is really so
1: that, weird. So, well, it might stay in cows. You know, they eat grass. It might be in there several days.
2: That's true.
1: Because plants don't break down as fast. Because we know, it's like celery, is almost pure cellulose and water. Right. Celery is a huge source of fiber, mm-hmm. but it doesn't break down. In fact, the, the, it, what makes it so valuable is that it doesn't break down in the 20 hours that is in our system. So food is in our system for 20 hours.
2: That's why you fasting, know. giving your digestive tract um, a break, is, is really important.
1: Okay. Because, you know, so many people, yeah. I've, I've had good friends of mine criticize me. You should have small meals, five small meals a day. You know, I can't lose well, weight that we way. Said. I've tried. Go ahead.
2: You, you should when you're when you're eating when you're not fasting. Typically, you should. I mean that, and you know the reason for that, right?
1: Well, it's easier to digest small amounts than big amounts, or what?
2: Well, that's a true statement too. No, because it keeps your it keeps your body and your metabolism revved all day long, where you don't oh, have okay. big dips in your, you don't have big dips in your metabolism. So if you're trying to burn fat um, mm-hmm. and lose weight. You're, and say you only eat one meal a day and it's a big meal, whatever time it is, your body holds on to every single thing you put in it. So if you're right. if you're constantly grazing, kind of like a coward, right? If you're grazing all day long, you know, picking some nuts here, some vegetables and, you mm-hmm. know, having a protein here, that you're constantly keeping your body going and your metabolism up. So for some people who are, you know, tiny, they can have a high percentage of body fat and then low muscle. So they ha- have no they have no metabolism whatsoever hmm. Uh, hmm. because they're only used to eating like once or twice a day. So if you draw it out with dots, like connect the dots on a piece of paper, if you put mm-hmm. five dots across in the paper, you get a steady line, right? If you put a yep. dot and then you have a dip and then you have a dot and you go up and then you have a dip. You know what I mean? Then it your your metabolic burning is not working for you; it's working against
0: you. Okay, well that
1: makes sense. But the way I do it, the, the and I read a chart that uh, for most people, or at least for me, intermittent fasting is pretty much what I do: eight hours on, yeah. sixteen hours off. Yep. And that works. Like That's- I was in I was in gym last night, hungry as hell, <laughs> but I was you know. I came back, had some water. So I, I drink water, you know. So basically, I'm up at four, so my grazing hours are four to six. Then I do the show seven to ten, then I have a couple more hours of grazing from ten till noon. And by noon, I'm pretty much done.
0: Yeah,
2: and I don't well, eat until so I mean, four o'clock the next
1: morning. It does work.
2: The fasting along with the grazing method works mm-hmm. really works really well. I mean, yeah. I have found that with my clients because. What happens is depending on what sort of fasting that you do, and there's a lot out there, and I know what I personally recommend, but. Um, what do you recommend? I think, I, I think you need more than just water, right? So okay. when you are fasting, you're really setting down the digestive tract, but when you do a fast day, you're only getting rid of sugars in the body right i mean that's that's what you're getting getting rid of on the right. second day is when you're burning body body fat and again depending on the type of fasting you are doing depends on how long you should do it i mean because i have a good friend who's a natural fast doctor um and she's amazing she knows so much and i've learned <laughs> so much from her but she'll bring on the show has, yeah has, a 10-day water fast. 10 days? What? 10 days of water fast. and um, Now, she'll only do it maybe three times a year, and then she'll do some five days. But, I mean, she is wiped out to where she has to be in bed. She loses focus. I mean, she completely shuts everything down, and she shared with me the benefits. But, again, if you choose to do something like that, Mm -hmm. you really need to know what you're doing, because if you have health challenges, like if you have no pre-existing conditions, you're going to be fine, right? Because you can live on a desert right. island with just water for a few days. You're going to be fine, <laughs> right? It'll, it'll it'll just it'll just suck, and you won't want anybody to be around you because you'll be, you know, you you'll not be a pleasant person probably. Um, but <laughs>
1: yeah, that makes sense,
2: right? Right. Yeah. So, but it does it does work, but it can be very dangerous to do if you have health challenges, you know. But a 48-hour fast um, is really it's really good to do. Now, when I have clients do fasting,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I always want them to keep their blood sugar okay, right? So I tell them you can have a clean coffee, no sugar, you know, meaning an organic, really clean, high-grade coffee. You can have just tea with tea with lemon, hot tea, cold tea, water. And you always want a good electrolyte drink, which I recommend, because you've got to keep your electrolytes up. And you can also use a lot of the pink Himalayan salt, in salt water, once or twice a day, or lemon water, things like that. You don't just want to have plain water. You want to make sure, especially when fasting, you're keeping your mineral levels up. And typically, um, with the fasting program that I do, people think they're going to wake up on day three and be starving. Well, they're not. Believe it or not, they, they're, they're all full of energy because I use a lot of aloe vera and different minerals and stuff mm-hmm. during, during those 48 hours. So what right. happens is if you have brain fog and all this stuff, when you're fasting for the first 48 hours, you, do, you might feel sluggish like the first day. Again, it depends on your health, right, going into it. Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. But you usually get a lot more clarity, brain fog disappears, different things happen by day by day two you know um but it's always good to have somebody walking alongside you that knows what to do if you're doing any sort of intermittent fasting for 48 hours or more you know yeah
1: well but see I, 16, I do the uh, the 16 hours a day is fine <clears throat> i know it works because yeah. it's worked before but occasionally i, I kind of like as they say fall off the wagon you know if i eat in the evening i think i can only have one thing but then i you know six things later it's like oh I totally ruined that day. So I almost have to start over again. Uh, But it's really important to be consistent. But the water works because I only do it 16 hours a day, you know, and so I take enough nutrition earlier, you know, throughout the first eight hours that I don't worry about it. I'm not lacking for anything. I eat high quality, you know, high protein, high fat, high, you know, the good stuff, Um, you know, fish, eggs, vegetables, fruits, things like that. No carbs Mm -hmm. or very little carbs once in a while. I think I have like one bagel a week uh that's cuz i need right. the energy for for Sundays when i you know work all day <laughs> and i go like uh, a long time without eating but uh, that's the hardest day but otherwise you just do it and your body gets used to it and you don't actually you know it's working like 2 or 3 weeks into it when you don't get hungry all right. the time and right. so your your body yeah. says oh okay this is the pattern i i see how this works and then you just you know i can lose 2 3 pounds a week easy once i'm in the in the in the yeah. the ketosis cycle or whatever it's called
2: right right well, I think what's interesting too is again it's like go back to anything. Not not one, two, fits all. I mean, intermittent fasting is great, but the type of intermittent fasting, just like you're saying what you you've done, it mm-hmm. depends on an individual body. It depends right. on your individual health challenges if you have any. You know? Mm-hmm. Um there's there's a lot of different things. Just like some people, you know, have allergies, some people can't do this, some people you know. So, and yeah. so, going back to the, our original conversation, you have to know what you're treating to treat it. You have to know. You know, I may take mm-hmm. apple cider vinegar every morning, and somebody else may not be able to do that. You know, I mean,
1: yeah, no, it's better than a salad. But, <laughs> you do a good, yeah, two three times a week in a yeah. salad. You know, it just uh, yeah, it, it's good that. stuff. I I couldn't just drink it straight. Oh God.
2: Oh, I do it. Every morning.
1: I do it. You're braver than me.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It reminds me of the days. I don't know if I told you this. I know I told somebody. It must have been a client or something. But I, uh, <laughs> it, it reminds me of my high school days of when my parents owned a uh, condo in Ocean City, Maryland when I was growing up. And we would go to the beach all the time. And I would always eat French fries. Soaked in apple cider vinegar. When they would have the vinegar at the tables at the beach, and I would put it on my French fries, and that's How do
1: you know it's apple cider? Because I'd never heard of apple cider until fairly recently. Uh, I thought they used uh, just regular fish and chips vinegar, like the British vinegar, whatever that is. It's brown. I don't think it's balsamic, yeah. but it's. Uh, but there's a specific vinegar for for British, you know, chips, fish and chips. Ah, okay. Well, I just remember so I,
2: that that's what it was when i would
1: put vinegar on i would be french surprised fries. it was apple cider vinegar it's expensive first of all and there is a british vinegar vinegar for fish it's very that's the british tradition so in this country we use ketchup <laughs> damn it we're americans we're british fries. <laughs> in, en- right. in england they they put vinegar on their fries which they call chips uh in france they don't call them french fries cuz <laughs> cuz they're french so they're, they're pom prits and i think they put mayonnaise on them um and every you know oh it, it, it's not bad i've tried it you know couple of countries in Europe do that well, that says Marco still on hey Marco how do you do uh, how do you do your french fries in uh, in the Netherlands and what uh, what do you uh, what do you call them <laughs> let's see if he's listening I know he's listening, but he's, he's busy today so he's probably intermittently listening just like our intermittent fasting so let right. me type a message yeah well Marco's on the line, which is great so let me say what do you put on your french fries <laughs> this is fun and,
2: do you know, yeah. do you know, do you know I, where
1: the first french fries were made. <laughs> No. In Greece.
2: Oh, were they really?
1: No, that's a joke. First French fries are made in Greece. Oh, come on. Uh-huh. Come on, CJ, keep up with the program.
0: <laughs>
1: <sighs> Hold
2: on. Let's see. Hold on. I'm looking up that question. I still can't find it uh, about okay. the cow intestine.
1: Yeah. Well, I need a I need a Jeopardy theme. I got to I got to get my sound program back up and running. I have enough uh, sound effects to do a bunch of stuff. So let's um, let's let's play something while you're while you're thinking here. Where did I put it? Yeah, let's play this. Action Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. There we go. That's always fun.
2: Okay, a cow has intestines that are 20 times as long as it's body. That's Uh 40 meters for a two-meter-long cow. Let's see. Hold on. That's all I got. Let's see. Three. Let me go. 20
1: meters of intestine in a cow?
2: This This is what it says. I guess fairly close, it comes to 150. Fairly close like between the sperm, okay, now, now we're talking about now it talks about uh, yeah, that's what it says.
1: So, whereas humans, it's uh, 25% of our digestive system. With cows, it's 20 meters. <laughs> Do we know what percent of their digestive system, their intestines are? A
0: cow has intestines
2: that are 20 times as long as it's body. So, if you picture a cow's body,
0: uh-huh. the
2: intestines are 20 times as long as its body. That M for a 2 M long cow.
1: 40 meters for a two-meter cow. Okay, so how long are human intestines then? And we'll, we'll check out dog intestines compared to their body.
0: <laughs> this is funny. Oh, Lord.
2: Let's see. Uh, why are we talking about this? Because so it's fascinating. Because
1: because how- it's because nobody else will. <laughs> it's just interesting. So I'm getting at. Is where we so for Marco was listening, he was walking oh by, by the way they call them Dutch fries in the Netherlands and he puts on curry. So that's interesting.
2: The small intestine can vary between ten feet to over sixteen feet.
1: That's for people? Uh mhm. So that's large like
2: the large intestine is shorter, measuring about five feet long. So it says that's just be right. Long.
1: So our intestines are two and a half to three times our body length, depending on how big we are.
2: That's pretty scary for me.
1: Yeah, because you're little, but you're really adorable. Exactly. So I just just want to let you know, she's really <laughs> adorable, folks. CJ is truly adorable. We don't do do pictures here, but uh, Sunday we'll have to do a video Zoom call. Um, <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, now so the reason I'm doing this is because the longer the intestine, the greater the amount of, of herbs. In other words, herbivores. So the greater amount of plants you should be eating. So if you have a short intestine, you want a short digestion time because you don't want the meat sitting in your body for long because it does weird things when it's in there. Whereas apparently plants are much more stable. So they can sit in a cow's body. It's going to take a while to get through all 40 meters. That's a lot. That's a long way.
0: It
2: is.
1: So how long is, so how long is the grass in there? Like two weeks? A month? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know. Same conversations on the digestive tract for sure. And you know, sometimes you know. I mean, this is disgusting, but you have to be careful because we can go all into the absorption rate and absorbing because a lot of people' bodies can't break down certain foods. You know, and you talk about leaky gut and all the things, which I don't think we have much time to get into now. We can save that for another time. But I know, oh, yeah. like that, that, for that's a whole
1: show right there. Leaky gut syndrome is is critical. Yeah.
2: For me, because of my past history of autoimmune challenges, it sometimes is difficult for my body to break down food. So that's why I do protein shakes. I do supplements. I do because I need the nutrients, but my body soaks it up like a sponge. If it's already, if my body doesn't have to work so hard to digest food because of my previous history of digestive, you know, issues so i don't have too many challenges now but if i if i did the wrong thing i probably would not be feeling all that well so you know if you have never suffered with an autoimmune you probably don't have that issue but still the body does take a long time to digest like the example i gave with red meat and chicken and i don't know about fish um, but i would think that depending on the fish it wouldn't be quite as much but i mean just the visual image, because I've seen it, I think that's part of, well, what, I'm 54 now, so at the age of 20, I just made a choice to not eat red meat, you know, and, and I've just gotten a little bit more picky as I've gotten older and learned more. But when mm-hmm. I picture red meat in, the, in your stomach, it literally lays there for days and rots. That's how long it takes it to get through this. If, if
0: food's
1: only there for 20 hours, how can it lay there for days? Is it bypassed it's by other things?
2: It sits there in ferment. Okay. So, so
1: really- if you have a good balance, and I know people that are perfectly healthy as carnivores. It's kind of interesting. Um right. but, if, but if you, how is that possible
2: then? Their digestive system, they haven't, their digestive system is different in the way it goes through the pro- processing. I mean, the process is the same, but everybody's right. body reacts differently. But it's still going to take a long, long time for the breakdown. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they don't like it. That doesn't mean they're not getting the benefit. I'm just saying it's still going to have that long process of the breakdown, mm-hmm. right? Because our bodies, our bodies are all designed the same. They don't necessarily function the same because we all have a different history of stuff that's happened to our bodies, right? right. Like I said, some have autoimmune challenges. Some of us have this issue. Some of us don't have any issues at all. So, but the process in the human body, like, doesn't change. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So, I yeah, mean, well, I know all individuals have different
1: DNA. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, um, in fact, uh, my uh, my friend uh, who's a reporter who actually talked about it, and she's talked about it on the show, so I can say, uh, Tina Terry. She's seventy five. Uh, May 76 now. Uh-huh. Anyway, aer- aerobics instructor, I think, still. Um, English professor specializing in Orwell. She's one of my favorite folks to have on the show. Uh, was a movie critic. Uh, does all kinds of really amazing things. Uh, and is a proponent of the carnivore diet. And so she eats meat almost exclusively. And I tried it for a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks. And you know what? Didn't work for me. Uh, I just It just didn't feel good. And so I'm much, uh, I'm probably about, 60, 40, 70, 30, you know, fruits and vegetables to meat. Well, maybe, maybe 50-50, right. you know, but, uh, but I, I can't do, I can't do exclusively meat. I don't think I could do exclusively vegetables either. I mean, I'm a true omnivore. I feel better with, but the meats that I eat are, are eggs and fish primarily, occasionally chicken. I used to eat a lot more right. steak, but uh, don't anymore. I don't miss it. For years, I never had a steak. Right. I never had red meat at all. No steak, no lamb, no pork. It right. was fish and eggs pretty much exclusively. I think it's probably why I'm in decent shape now in my 60s. Right, right. Well, you
2: know what's been, you know what's interesting is that there are. Um, it's just like with me, and and it's very mm-hmm. challenging for me. I have this book that let me see where it is. It's called Toxic Superfoods, and it's not for everybody. But because I've had autoimmune and kidney issues. A lot of the foods I really, 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 really like, Mm -hmm. I have to eat very, very small amounts because they're high in oxalate. So just going back to your meat point, right?
0: Right. So Mm -hmm.
2: there's kale and all the superfoods and red beets are so good for so many things and all of these superfoods, right? I Uh love being a vegetarian, but many of them are high in oxalate. And so you should explain what
1: those are, are this yeah, is critical. Uh, well, yeah.
2: oxalates are not good for people who have had kidney stones and kidney challenges. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's very difficult for me to eat a low oxalate diet because those are the foods that I like. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so for me, having to do protein, I choose to do fish and shake because of other all kinds of fish and dairy are very low in oxalates but i don't do dairy i'm very dairy sensitive so i'll do a lot right. of almond based products um but almonds are high in oxalates versus sunflower seeds and it's interesting how oxalate levels change whether you're doing something raw whether you're juicing or whether you're boiling something depending on how it's cooked the oxalate numbers change hmm. and so it's like a, it's like a full-time job just knowing that, but but to your point of, some people can do meat, no issues. Some people choose not to. Some people, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You have to know your body and what your body responds to or doesn't respond to, whether it's diet with food intake, whether it's mm-hmm. with supplementation, or you know whatever. So, um cause well, the let me tell you about, ovaries, uh...
1: Yeah, let me tell you my oxalate story. So I was in my 40s, and I was reading about nutrition and kidney stones and too much calcium and things like that. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I should, uh, since I'm getting older in my 40s, this is like 20 years ago, right? And maybe I should cut back on my, on my calcium because I don't want to get kidney stones. So I did. I, I went from uh, soy milk, and then I found out about plant estrogen, so then I went to almond milk. Of course, almond milk has all the uh, the oxalates in it, right? And I also had a lot of spinach, which is full of oxalates. And I love grapefruits and grapefruit juice, which is full of oxalates. So I had a non-calcium, you know, hugely oxalate diet. So I got a kidney stone, first time in my life. So the very things I was doing I thought would prevent kidney stones actually gave me one. And I won't go through all the embarrassing story because I was on a first date when it happened. It was kind of embarrassing, ending up on this poor woman's floor, uh, writhing in pain. And she, you know, it's like first date. It wasn't a lot of fun that time. Anyway, she got me the emergency room, and, uh, and I, we did the, the x-ray or whatever. As they found out it was like a three-meter-long um, kidney stone. Well, that, that's big. You know? And so we're well, going to have to pass that sometime. So I did what I normally do, which is go home and hop on the Internet and say, i got to break this thing up. There's got to be something that breaks up kidney stones. And so I found out citrus breaks up kidney stones. So I, uh, I ate copious amounts of lemons, limes, and oranges and actually broke it up. So it never actually had to pass. And it was gone, you know, because I broke it into tiny little, tiny, tiny, tiny little crystals. With, uh, so I said, okay, let's screw that diet. Let's go back to dairy. And ever since I got back on dairy, I've been fine. I haven't had kidney stone since. So cheese, eggs, you know, half and half. Love it. Not a problem. Uh, especially with my blood, uh, blood type, bite, type B, you know, which is supposedly really, uh, you know, dairy doesn't affect uh, type B folks. Um, that's my, uh, my Caucasian background, literally, from the Caucasus of the mountains to the steppes of Russia. You know, I guess where my people originally came from. Anyway, point being that the things you think are good for you are really not. You know, how we get from Oprah, you know, to gluten-free. Well, what's Opran? Well, it's gluten. It's like pure gluten, right? So, uh, but it, it was interesting. So oxalates are very bad for you. They, um, if your body, if they, it takes the calcium out, as I understand it, and if you don't have enough calcium, you, your body synthetically makes an overload of calcium and it ends up in your kidneys. And that's not good. How am I doing so far? Is that about right on oxalates?
2: Yeah, that's great.
1: Okay. Anything is, I missed, don't, is, don't. Just let me know.
2: No, I, I think that's great. But, I mean, it's really something that if that's mm-hmm. what you're into, you have to um I mean, you almost have to have an ongoing list. And it's a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie. It's a pain in the ass. Or You have mm-hmm. to know because you're constantly looking stuff up. And, and depending on the source, you mm-hmm. can find different numbers for different foods. you know what I'm saying?
1: What are the big oxalate foods? Let's go over that because uh, it's fascinating with dairy. I can eat all the dairy I want. Uh, I'm not affected by it. In fact, I'm affected by not having dairy, obviously. (laughs) You know, give me kidney stone. But what are the the big oxalates? I I know spinach, um, grapefruits, and I guess you said almonds. What are some of the other ones to watch out for? And these are all good foods. I mean, the spinach is supposed to be good for you. Popeye had it.
2: I'm not buying the sailor exactly.
1: man. I'm not buying the sailor man. You know, we we all grew up on, on uh you know spinach and making you strong. So it's supposed to be good for good food, but it's raw spinach is full of oxalates. Well, so what what are the other it ones is, to watch for?
2: It is, believe it or not, um, celery. Celery Celery's is very, Huh?
1: Celery high in oxalates. Okay.
2: Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. I, and I saw makes it in my no... yeah, like water and roughage. But um, you've got spinach, you've got beet greens, you've got Swiss chard, and, you know, alternates, you should be using more of romaine, bib lettuce, cabbage, and bok choy. You can use turnip. Um, And I think I love broccoli, but I I love it steamed. And so broccoli, believe it or not, is is good to the best of my, my knowledge, but I've seen different conflicting sources on that. But celery, carrots, od- uh, artichoke hearts, um, any like baking potatoes and sweet potatoes are very high. Chocolate and carob um, are high. Black tea and green tea, and see, I love green tea. So yeah, you have-
1: I love black tea. Yeah. So uh,
2: peanut, peanut butter, uh, nuts and butters, especially almonds. So here it is: sprouted pumpkin seeds, which I eat a lot of, and. Mm-hmm sprouted sunflower seeds or flat seeds. Uh let's see macadamia nut. Uh, it says oh my gosh, it's uh, raw milk cheese, whole milk, snack on bacon bits, coconut macaroons, coconut based chips, plain yogurt. Um those are high in oxalates?
1: Those are those are counters to oxalates, aren't they?
2: No, that's what I'm, I'm giving you the counters. That's what I'm just giving you. Okay, so let's let's let's
1: let's make a clear distinction. So the ones that the ones that are high in oxalates, uh, let's go over just a couple quickly do that, and then the ones that counter it, because I think I have a lot of things that are countering the oxalates. Because I eat celery, in my salmon salad, and you know garlic and onions and apple cider vinegar yeah. and everything else get thrown in there. But celery is a big component because right. of, of all the roughage and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So the good ones, once again, well the bad ones we're the bad oxalate foods. <laughs>
2: Okay, as far as the bad the bad ones to go to peanuts, peanut butter, almonds, black tea, green tree- tea, whole grains, um, even quinoa, amaranth, corn grits, uh, sweet potatoes, baked potatoes, chocolate, carob, finish, beets, apricots, blackberries, clementines, elderberries, goji berries, kiwis, tangerines, tomato sauce. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> And then you have a ton of, you have a ton of spices: black pepper, caraway seeds, parsley, and pop, poppy seeds and turmeric. Um, so I use: But turmeric's a lot of good,
1: white though. Pepper.
0: How'd
2: that get in the? I know. List? Okay, um, so it's not right now, but it's to avoid, and it says you use white pepper, capers, chives, cumin, extract, dill, horseradish, uh, mustard, rosemary, sage, thyme, vanilla extract. Those are all
1: good. Ah. Okay, so what are the foods that counter the oxalates? Because I think I have a a fairly high oxalate diet still, but I think I have a lot of the foods that counter it. So let's get the the counter foods.
2: What are those? Well, I think I've I've listed some of these, but I'll go over here to the uh, the roots, like (laughs) red new skin potatoes, cauliflower, turnip, uh, celery root, these. And I don't understand why, like not celery, but celery root um, can be uh, root of uh lower oxalate vessels, green peas, chestnut squash, coconut oil, well cooked squash, green peas, black eyed peas, pearl barley, or coconut flour. Um, apples, blueberries, dates, grapefruit. Uh, kumquat, mangoes, melons, all the honeydews, papaya, pineapple, raisins. And your vegetables is cabbage, bok choy, turnips, mustard greens.
1: Uh, so I thought grapefruits were bad, were bad oxalates, but apparently they're not. Did I get that wrong? That's...
2: And then your lettuces is like romaine, bib, icebergs, pea grains, watercress, arugula. Um, let's see. Set up chocolate and carrot fresh fruit, ice cream, ice coconut milk, white chocolate, chocolate extra, chocolate liqueur as a flavoring, and herbal teas, but no black or green tea.
1: You know what? It's impossible to keep to a non oxalate diet. I'll tell you right now. That's not that's not even remotely practical. However, it's what I'm curious about... Unless you, eat, go ahead.
2: You
0: know.
2: And that's hard unless you eat like Big lettuce
1: all day long. And then that's got other problems. So what, it, what, we, what we should do is, is do a, a, probably several shows, you know, bit by bit, of foods that are both good and bad for you. <laughs> you know, because yeah. some of them, you know, so if there are bad foods, then we need to find a, a way to, to counter them. So now does dairy um, counter oxalates because it's got the calcium in it? What are, the, what are the counter foods, the ones that specifically reduce the, the effects of oxalates?
2: Yeah, and it's interesting because just as an example here, so you look Uh at spinach. Its total oxalate is 1,000 milligrams. 75% is soluble. Now, this is raw, okay? So Uh for two grams, which is about three teaspoons, uh, oxalate levels, yeah, that's the oxalate level. But if you do frozen, it's 900. If you do skin, it's 700. Boiled, is 500. Hmm. So, that's what I'm saying. It depends on how you're... That's just, like, really strange. So, like, red new boiled, like, new, like, little potatoes, boiled for 30 minutes with the skin, has Uh 20 20 milligrams, which is 90%. Right. So... Um, instant white and dry. It says 100%. They're all full of oxalates. What, um, what
1: what what things instant dry and what, what are you talking about? What are full of oxalates? Instant.
2: with water. That are the flakes that people buy in their boxes. Well.
1: Instant what now? Buy, I'm, so, I'm mis- missing the word.
2: You can buy you know instant potatoes.
1: Oh, instant in potatoes. The- okay, that's what we're talking about. Okay, all right. Just want to make sure.
2: And if- white, dry, instant potatoes that you add water to. It's 100%, uh-huh. 100 milligrams, 100 for white potatoes like that. Right. Yeah. So doesn't it doesn't sound
1: it, like too much. It's
2: yeah. It's very, very interesting. I mean, and quinoa is amazing. It's so good for you. And it's so high in mm-hmm. oxalus. You've got walnuts you shouldn't have, like walnut, peanuts. Um, and um, macadamia nuts are, are high. Tomato right. sauce is at twenty four. I don't, you know, but and it depends. It, it gives you a list of raw, steamed, and boiled. Just depends on how you how you cook things, which is uh-huh. very interesting. Yeah, there's a whole. Yeah, this is pretty good. Like plantains, I love plantains, and they're a hundred and ten milligrams.
1: So what do oxalates do to your system besides the kidney thing we talked about? Is there anything else that they're really bad at?
2: They're most – you know what's interesting? To the best of my knowledge, they just affect people who have kidney talent. I mean, because most people don't even know what – heard the word oxalate ever. And most people in their lifetimes don't have an issue with them. You know? Now, I think oxalates are – bad if you've had autoimmune or kidney problems right? right Because most people in america eat all these foods or they well, think because there's a lot of nutrients but again i think it's in quantity mm-hmm. in quantity but to think okay. that a tangerine to think that celery has all those oxalates in does your body handle crazy. them
1: well see but what i see i still think the key is calcium because then when I took calcium out of my diet, uh, the, and I had the oxalates anyway, you know, the spinach and the, the grapefruits and some of the other things, um, then it they never affected me until I took the calcium out of my diet. As soon as I put the calcium back in, eating those same foods, because I didn't really make the connection right away, I was fine. So, so calcium yeah, um, is the key. So, Almond 11, 11 milligrams,
2: depending on the... Um, Let's
1: see, thirty grams, thirteen. Well, what's what's the level where it's unhealthy? I mean, in other words, can is a hundred milligrams no big deal, but a thousand milligrams is? I mean, that's what I would guess. It's ten Good times as much. Yeah. Okay. More rabbit holes to you go know. down. It's yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Oh, I'm watching the time. Oh, I'm gonna
2: have to get rolling, my friend.
1: Okay, that's fine. I got ten minutes left. I'll I'll vamp.
2: <laughs>
1: Contact information, no, and let's do it again next week.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and wheat is very, very high, um, and all chocolate—you know, chocolate chips, big Newtons—all, all the yummy good stuff is very, very high in oxalates. So That's maybe I right eat dairy.
1: To- eat dairy and counter it. Yeah. Cheese,
2: eggs. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't dairy, but ultra, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, my friends, yeah.
2: you have a great day. If anybody wants to contact me, you can reach me at H2O Wellness Network. That's H2O Wellness Network. At
1: gmail.com. dot Sounds good to me. Thank you, CJ.
2: Talk You're to you next week. I'll talk
0: with you.
1: Bye. Yeah. Bye. Ah, the fun we have here.
0: Action
1: Radio. Dangerously cool about 10 minutes left, and I've got uh, one more article I think I can uh, get to. Uh, and this is actually from what who, – who used to be a fairly liberal commentator who has since become much more conservative uh, ever since he got uh, censored by The New York Times, and that's Alex Berenson. And so he has a sub-stack uh, article called Unreported Truths. He says, Independence from Censorship Day <laughs> – and this is the same same thing. Basically, our federal judge. I mean, there's so many good articles on this. He says federal judge in Louisiana just blew up the White House effort to force social media companies to censor people with opinions or facts it doesn't like. This is
0: huge.
1: In other words, uh, uh, for Berenson v. Biden. So apparently, he's Alex Berenson is suing him How come I can't say where's it? I can't. I can't find a lawyer to sue uh, to sue the Brandon Insurrection. Anyway, so this is from July 4th. He says earlier today, federal judge Terry Dottie of the Western District of Louisiana, issued a preliminary injunction barring the White House and federal, several federal, federal agencies from trying to get social media companies from censoring people or posts. So that's what the injunction is. Okay, wait a minute. So he says he issued a preliminary – I'm, I'm going to go to the end of the court case. No, I think I put it away. Let's check it next time. But he's saying that the, he issued a preliminary injunction barring the White House and several – so that's it. So the memorandum – this is a lawsuit still going on. Junction said the White House during the lawsuit can't do what they've been doing. So they don't have to wait for the end of the lawsuit to stop the White House. They have to stop doing it now. So that's actually really key to it. So I'm going to go check the official uh, decision uh, on the memorandum by the judge. And then, like I said, I'll have more on this tomorrow because I find this all quite fascinating. He says, uh, for says if the post is, quote, protected free speech, the agencies cannot, in capital letters, ask Twitter, Facebook or anyone else to do anything about it. And that's what Judge Dottie ruled. He says doesn't matter if it's the finest piece of journalism since the New York Times published the Pentagon Papers or the finest piece of journalism since the New York Times published Walter Duranty's reporting on the 1930s Soviet famines. The White House has no business trying to get it taken down. Judge Dotti wrote in a brilliant 155-page memorandum, which we've covered the first third, right, supporting his injunction in the lawsuit, which is th- which the states of Missouri and Louisiana filed against, Insurrectionist Brandon last year, my words once again. He says it's Independence Day. All right. He says uh, um, on page 102 of the memorandum, which we haven't got to yet, we're still on page 55. Judge Dotti nearly explained, uh, neatly explained the stakes. He says, without a free debate about about these issues, each person is unable to decide for himself or herself the proper decision regarding their health. Each United States citizen has the right to decide for himself or herself what is the tr- what is true and what is false. The government does not have the right to determine the truth. Well, truer words I don't think have ever been spoken. The government does not have the right to determine the truth. And that is absolutely true. This is why censorship is so important. Then he goes into the introduction, and he talks about, well, we've already read that, you know, where the quote is, I may disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to your death your right to say it, where the government's the, the, just the opposite. I do care what you say. And I will take away your right to say it. (laughs) So that's the modern incantation uh, of that old saying. Then he says more coming on this ruling and its very favorable implications for Berenson v. Biden. Uh, He says, but for now, just enjoy this unprecedented win. Yeah, it's really good. So that's one article. Let me see if I can find the other one here real quickly. Uh, Go back uh, back to my zero hedge article. It says the dozens of people isn't zero hedge. The dozens of people and agencies bound by the injunction include resident Biden. You know, White House Press Secretary, Joan pierre I think I read that, too. Let me see if I can find some more stuff for you here. We've only got a few minutes left, so I'm just kind of vamping. Let's get to it. Uh, here's another one. This is in The Verge, a website I'm familiar with. Politics, policy, and law. U.S. Judge blocks Biden officials from contacting social media. sites. even contact him now. And we've got uh, a little emblem from Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. That's the, the CISA. It says the U.S. federal judge ruled that a Biden administration are prohibited from contacting social media companies uh, about moderating their posts protected by the First Amendment. So I'm reading several different articles because it's always fascinating to me how these different articles, you know, they're they're sort of saying the same thing, but they're sort of not. Everybody has a little individual take on it. Then this guy, Judge Dottie's 150-page memorandum, where he quotes, you know, he quotes again, I won't do that. But here's... This, is a, this article, this must be a liberal article, because here's what I'm interesting, is what other sources are saying. So the, he says, as the Washington Post reports, Republican attorneys general in Louisiana and Missouri suing resident <laughs> or insurrectionist uh, Brandon, uh, Dr. Anthony Fascist, <laughs> the CDC, the Department of Homeland Security, and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. That's what the NIAID, allergy is the A word. Okay. I uh, claim that, quote, starting in 2017, four years before Brandon was thrown into the White House, that's not what he said. Anyway, officials within the government began laying the groundwork for a systemic and systematic campaign to control speech on social media. Let me say that again. Starting in 2017, four years before Brandon occupied the White House, he says Biden was president. Four years before. Biden was president, officials within the government began laying the groundwork for a systemic and systematic campaign to control speech on social media. So what happened in 2017? Well, what happened in 2017 was Trump took office. Okay. So what they're saying is the minute Trump took office, people loyal to the deep state were already creating a system to control free speech so that what Trump said wouldn't get out there. And so they canceled his account. What we say didn't get out there. All these different things. I'm not getting out there. This is why it's so important for you to share our shows. It is so important for you to share our shows, I can't tell you, and our bills. Otherwise, they're not going to get out there. Then we got a quote from the New York Times. New York Times cites Jamil Jaffer, the executive director of the Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University. Well, we already went over the <laughs> – if you listened yesterday with uh, with Bonnie Nesbitt, we went over the Columbia University School of Journalism, their syllabus, and we were cracking up. Nothing in it has to do with free speech or writing or reporting or objectivity or anything. It's all how to uh, portray globalist propaganda in the best light. That's what they teach at Columbia University. Anyway, so Jamil Jaffer, executive director of the Knight First Amendment Institute. I can't believe they have a First Amendment Institute at Columbia University. Anyway, responding to the ruling saying, and here's the quote, it can't be that the government violates the First Amendment simply by engaging with the platforms about their content moderation decisions and policies. If that's what's the court... that's what the court is saying here. It's a pretty radical proposition that isn't supported by by the case law. Well, it doesn't have to be supported by the case law. It's supported by the First Amendment, you stupid moron. No wonder you're at Columbia University. And then it says it can't be that the government violates the First Amendment simply by engaging with the platforms about their content moderation decisions and policies. Of course it can. That's the problem. The government violates the First Amendment simply by engaging with the platforms about their content, moderation, decisions, and policies. So if you take the words, it can't be that, and just read the rest of the quote, the government violates the First Amendment simply by engaging with the platforms about their content, moderation, decisions, and policies, he gets it right. So when he says it can't be, that's the problem. Of course, that's the key. That's exactly what happens. Then he says to the New York Times, this is the author of the article. Who's the author? Let to get the author. Everybody gets credit here. Uh, there is no particular author. Uh, it is from The Verge, the V-E-R-G-E uh, website in their section on politics, policy, and law. All right. Bye, Marco. Talk to you next week or talk to you Friday. Uh, there we he go. He's, he's headed out of here. We'll so say goodbye to Marco in the Netherlands, and we'll get him back on. Just got a couple more things to do, and then I'm done for today. Oh, there's my one-minute warning. Well, uh, I'll be able by like two minutes over. Anyway, The Verge says the New York Times also has a statement from unnamed White House officials saying, <laughs> Our consistent view remains that social media platforms have a critical responsibility to take account of the effects their platforms are having on the American people, but make independent choices about the information they present. <laughs> well, let's take this one apart. Our consistent view remains that social media platforms have a critical responsibility. Uh, no, not to take into account the effect because they're an open forum. They have a critical responsibility to leave everybody alone. Let them say what they want. Because Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, Federal Communications, says that they are not liable for anything that anybody says on social media. They cannot be held responsible for anything anybody says on social media. So there's no reason to touch anything that anybody says on social media because they're not liable for it, not their responsibility. If someone says something on social media that violates law by making public threats against uh, public officials or child pornography or things like that, we have plenty of laws to take care of that. It's not the job of social media to regulate what's on social media. It's the job of social media to provide social media. That's it. Same thing with phones. It's not up to AT&T to to regulate what you say on your phone. It's up to AT&T to make sure your phone works. (laughs) Okay. And then the last thing it says here, the injunction bars people like DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency leader Jen Easterly, and FBI Foreign Influence Task Force leader. Foreign Influence Task Force leader at the FBI? They're a domestic agency. Were they a foreign? Anyway, Laura Demlo, as well as employees of those agencies and several others, from contacting, working with, or asking social media companies about posts protected by the First Amendment. Exceptions include, and this is what I found interesting. Remember, we talked about the judge talked about the public exceptions. So the exceptions include posts about criminal activity or criminal conspiracies. Uh, I think they mean those that are actively engaged in criminal activity or criminal conspiracies. Okay, because if it, if we post stuff criminal activity all the time, and certainly about criminal conspiracies. In other words, the Biden insurrection. National security threats. Yes, you can't post those. Threats to election security. Permissible government, uh, government speech promoting government policies on, or views on matters on public concern. See, I don't think this makes any sense. Public safety threats. Uh, I mean, you can't make a public safety threat, but you can certainly talk about someone else making one. Uh, efforts to detect, prevent, or mitigate malicious cyber activity. See, this doesn't make any sense to me. There's something wrong here, that the instruction, the injunction bars people from doing things, except for these, or uh, uh, asking social media companies about posts protected by the First Amendment. Exceptions. Okay, those are exceptions. I don't believe those are exceptions. i got to look more into this. This is says, those named in the suit are also barred from working with academic groups that focus on social media, like the Election Integrity Partnership. The Virality Project and the Stanford Internet Observatory. We're going to talk more about those because those are in the case. Actually, some of those I'm going to be getting to in a future page. We're done. Um, let me give, uh, our, 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 websites once again, and this is a post that I'm going to make, uh, This this information I'm going to put into a post with music cause it's more fun, <clears throat> but let me give it more time. Our show site is blocktrackradio.com slash citizen action. Our legislative bill writing site is right to That's W R I T E Y O U R L A W S. Uh, our subscriptions uh, to my column, gregpengliss.substack.com. We're asking for $5 a month or a greater subscription if you want to help us out contributions go to givesendgo dot com slash action radio. And we have over 20 Facebook groups, which you'll find by putting action radio into your Facebook search window and my public email, Greg at writeyourlaws dot Please contact me for advertising on action radio or any other, uh, uh matter that, uh, we can't resolve any other way. <laughs> Don't flood my email. All right. So let's, um, let's play our, our theme music for today. Closing out. It's been a great show. It's been a lot of fun. And thank you for listening to the court case. Um, I really think this information is critical, even though it may seem a little tedious and dry. But uh, once you understand it, you understand pretty much everything about how the government works or how the government is taking your rights away. Tomorrow morning, Friday, 7 a.m. Central Time, we will do it all again.